Who is that like shit? What they do is they green light the, hey, you can kill as many pythons as you want, have at it. We need them out of here. <laughs> exactly. And then all of a sudden everyone's got python boots. That's what they're going to do. Exactly. python exactly. boot business. We get a couple flashbacks as well, um, by the way. Imagination. <laughs> uh, introducing the rest of the characters, Druig. Uh, we get some, some some scenes later, like 1500 BC and stuff like that, which show uh, Rob Stark and uh, Gemma Chan falling in love, uh, which was fine. I guess I didn't. I didn't. You know what's funny about this them. movie? I like as, it. As you're talking about this here, Nick, and and all of us really like, I kind of feel like it's one of those movies that if we watched quietly without the, the any voices or anything, just looking at it, and somebody explained what the plot is, it's better than the actual movie. Is. Yeah, yeah. Because so many elements are so cool and well thought out, they're just not done that that perfectly. Yeah. But if you just explained what's happening. You kind of would like cool concept. It's cool, and yeah. it would bridge it down to being a little simpler uh, and, and and awesome. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, we get that. We get uh, we get Druig. Uh, another scene where um, I think it's before this where uh, Angelina Jolie's character gets the Mad Weary, uh, and we're we're kind of told. Uh, I think that was actually before we understood what they were. That uh, it's too many memories, and this happens to Eternal sometimes. And someone's got to take care of her. So Bill says, "Hey, we've killed the final deviant." Um, as as everything's warring behind us, I'm gonna go take care of her. But Druig, of course, has a crisis of conscience where he's like, "What are we doing here? I could stop all these humans from killing each other." Uh, but Fastos is like, "Listen, this is just part of progression. Uh, uh, unfortunately, when war happens, technology is made, and technology actually, believe it or not, uh, it comes out of this that can save lives, which is weirdly true and a really cool, deep concept that's very conflicting even for reality." Uh, Tim. Something I love about this, of it being conflicting and going back to me saying that I don't think any one character stands out, but together they all work so well because they're all kind of the Bulbasaur, Charmander, Squirtle against each other in different character traits yeah. of, like, filling in gaps where I love that Druig is, and it might not be this scene you're talking about, but there was a scene where he's like, I'm going to control everyone and I'm going to stop this. Like, right. fuck you, Ajax. Yeah. Like, this doesn't make sense. For it to then go I from, thought she was going to kill him. I, but I love that she didn't. Like, I yeah. love these, these kind of, like, conundrums uh, morally that they, they set up because seeing Druid here so steadfast in, like, no, I know what's right, so I'm going to do this. You're going to have to kill me, whatever. Yeah. But then to later see the other scene, the flashback, um, or I guess not flashback, but the flash forward, the present day, of him controlling humans. And when the, like, deviant comes, and it seems like it's all in the up and up and everything's good. But then when the deviant comes, he's controlling the humans with the guns, like mechanically turning them into robots, shooting them. Yeah. So it's, cool. it's so dope. But when you think cool about how, how like, dark yeah, that wrong. is, it's, yeah. it's wrong. And like this guy that we know is coming from the right place. Like that's where I think this movie really succeeds is like having all these good guys do bad things for the right reasons. And it kind of, like, just balances out in a really interesting way. So yeah. Druig, I thought, was very, very, very cool. And him very and Makari being together, I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, that's a point. And then uh, Kumail pointing it out was just the perfect kind of so line of dialogue. Yeah. You need to be like, Are, is, this, is this the thing? I don't like this. No, no, he <laughs> says, is this happening? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Which was great. Um, of course, uh, we'll cut off. we got to keep the team back together. So they cut over to uh, to uh, the set of Kumail or of um, – Gosh, what's, his, what's the character's name? I'll just call him Kumail's uh, newest movie, uh, which is a retelling of Icarus Kingo. story. Uh, it's great. And this this so uh, births one of what I think is one of the best 
like dynamics between two characters of any MCU movie. I love Kumail Nanjiani and Harish Patel, the two characters here. So good. I think they got great chemistry. And the fact that he's just been his valet forever and is like his just his boy at this point is so great. Uh, Andy from Kind of Funny. I will say I'm so happy that the bit paid off because I felt this is bad. Um, as he's dancing towards oh, the camera yeah. and trying to, like, be physically comedy funny, I'm like, this isn't working for me. This is, like, not good, not good. And I know what is – I know what you I'm know supposed what to be getting out of it. Yeah. I just don't think it's very good. And then the fact that it is it, – it, yeah, we're doing a movie about you, uh, Icarus. I'm like, fuck yeah, thank God, this is good. <laughs> like, I, I was really, really relieved there because I think the comedy – kind of the tone is set from that moment of what we're going to get from it, from uh, Kingo, and the rest of it really works, thankfully. But when those moments are happening and they're doing the intro scene of the Bollywood dancing, I'm like, ooh, this is not great right now. Well, I mean, this is no disrespect to Kumail, but not a dancer he is not, uh, but a comedian he is, and also a lot taller than I thought he was going to be on screen. Uh, and I think this might be where we get the first DC reference, Tim. If I'm not oh, mistaken, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you're like there. a butler, like Alfred. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm sorry, that does not compute. I'll let this one slide. Thankfully, there won't be an even worse one later. I'll let well, this I mean, slide. Why, why is it bad? I think it's cool. Yeah, I don't know like, why worse comes into MCU, play, but I do think it's funny. Okay, more egregious, I should say, not worse, but like more on the like blatant reference to Superman later, where she's like, "Hey, Superman!" I'm like, I mean, yeah. "Okay, here we are." It has weird. some weird wrinkles to the universe as a whole, but I, I think that it's funny that weeks ago, Nick, we were talking, and Nick was just like, yeah, like, Marvel movies are never going to reference the DC characters, and then they just fucking do two weeks later in his turtles. Yeah. Like, the first thing they said, Alfred, I looked at G, and I'm like, oh, she doesn't even know, but this is hilarious. That's <laughs> how much I know about anything, of course. I'd like to imagine that they're in a multiverse where the DCEU is good. I, I want to live Ooh. in that multiverse. Let's hope. Let's hope. Maybe. Yeah. So, like, have you guys seen Batman v Superman? Fucking life-changing. <laughs> One, three Oscars. <laughs> More now, than hold on, real quick. Reason. Don't want to go too long on this. Just a quick thing that I have to say. Yeah, the hell we want. It's Friday. Seeing the Batman <laughs> trailer in Dolby Atmos. Um, I'm so pissed off in there. Dude, Shit. I like legitimately was like, I don't know if I can watch this movie afterwards. Like, I'm going through a moment right now. Like, this Dude. is so incredible. It's Seeing the title sequence the of like, the, oh my fucking god. I'm so <laughs> mad. I, I'm so mad I was looking at him upside down in the car as Batman is slow walking toward him upside down with his cape in slow motion and fucking really a cool. wall of fire behind him and it just closes in and sets Ooh. the Batman. How is it that those two trailers are like the best trailers that have ever existed? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm just glad we supported the DCEU because we got this. All of our money, all of our money that went toward Batman v Superman and Justice League, is, has helped make this happen. Just remember that. Mm-hmm. Remember that. We're, we're now part of the solution, everyone. Part of the solution. Uh, we should all go see Morpheus. I know they're not the same studio, but it, it, <laughs> it feels off. like it's it. Funny. It feels like it's Morpheus. Like it. Let's all go watch Morpheus. I know it's not the same studio, but it what. pisses Kevin off. Is what <laughs> just said. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. That trailer. <laughs> let me let me know you guys. So normally, new movie trailer comes out. I watch it live with y'all, react to it, all that, and then at the end of the day, oh. me and G watch some bullshit reality TV. But before mm. that, I'm like, let me show you the trailer. Watch it's trailer. like, let's get there. I did not show her Morpheus. I was like, it's not even. I'm not. I'm not gonna waste your time with this. It's not happening. So this was the first time she saw it, and she just looked. At, she looked at me at the end. And was like, oh no. <laughs>
Oh, no, back-to-back. Back. Uh, anyway, back to the plot, ladies and gentlemen. So we cut over uh, to Camille. We grab him. Uh, they go on the plane and over to uh, try and find Druig, who is uh, in the middle of the Amazon? Where was he? South America? I forget where he Amazon. Was. Amazon. Uh, and he's just hanging out, man. And he's, he's kind of in a bad place, and he doesn't really want to hang out with him first, but then they kind of convince him to. We get that cool shot with the shotguns. And then Creepy. Uh, the deviants attack again. We get a cool fight sequence here, a cool-ish fight sequence. A little dark for my liking. I was a... Uh, this is where I'm like some of the natural aspects of Chloe's house filmmaking. I was like, we gotta punch this up a little bit because Daddy's having a hard time figuring out what the hell. Yeah, let's let's eyes. watch that in OLED later for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be uh, cool. Uh, and then from there, I believe we go over. We might get some more scenes here, uh, but I forget. And we go over to Fasto's house where he's living life. And so we see what I like is we see sort of how everyone has chosen to use eternity and live their lives. Uh, and they're all interesting. Um, but Fastos is just like, I want to be a dad, and I got a husband, and I just want to live this life. And I love the line where he's like, I could use, I, I choose to use my hands to fix my kid's bike. That is what and I want to do. And immediately, it's like, do you? And then he shoots the thing, and it's like, oh, maybe maybe you are still dabbling. Right, he's like, cool okay. Technology. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, he eye blasts the fucking door, and it's all. And like, uh-huh. <laughs> house that. But then, and then, of course, the beat with, the joke that we unfortunately was spoiled in the in the ninety uh, million times the trailer where he's like, "What is this made of a, a vibranium?" And he's like, "That's IKEA fall collection, a fall collection IKEA." Uh, and the joke actually hit uh, because it, it was shocking because we've seen this a million fucking times in every trailer and a million fucking times before every movie we've gone and seen in theaters. Mm-hmm. So like, it's been beaten to death. But I think adding the ass at the end of it like yep. made it even better. It yeah. did. I agree. That's the little thing. And I alluded to this in our spoiler free talk, but like there are a ton of scenes from the trailers that are absolutely different in this movie. And like little things like when, uh, what's his name? Crow, I think is the bad guy, bad deviant. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, he uh, is like around Angelina Jolie, and it felt a little BDSM, and like she was kind of into it, and like she was going to turn bad. Mm -hmm. But in this movie, her eyes are. Like she's under control. Like she's mm-hmm. she's gone, and it's like fuck that little tiny change. The totally changes the narrative of where we're at. Us. They flipped us for they, they took us for a little ride on that. Because the yeah. trailers made us think that Druig and Athena were going to be the ones to flip. Mm-hmm. Icarus yeah. was always a little bit kind of like eh, it could go out. I, of I never thought with Icarus. I always thought like with Athena, and then I think what never made me think that Icarus was ever going to turn, and I still think that it. I think they still did a pretty decent job with not it. making was, it way too obvious. Yeah. Um, it's that sequence in the trailer, Tim, that I absolutely love in this fight when the uh, when the deviant is holding him down and he's struggling, trying to laser eye him. That sequence is so fucking good. That's like the straight up bare Leo DiCaprio Revenant sequence where it's just desperation in that moment. I like that moment right there you i felt tense for icarus it's like this guy is like all powerful superman yeah and he cannot get out of the situation yeah. and you can feel sort of the desperation and the the fear that he feels i thought that sequence was played out so perfectly uh unfortunately i think i missed the part where gilgamesh died uh in that forest sequence oh, and then the deviant takes the power that was rough fucking hated that. Uh, oh, man. and i mean that's the thing is like i think that a lot of people are going to walk away from this movie and just be like and it was whatever. But it's like, when you really kind of break down moment to moment, there's a lot of really cool stuff. And I did not expect Gilgamesh to die. I did not expect uh, uh, Ajax to die. And, like, especially not that 
back to back the way the movie presents it and the, the movie plays with time so well that's why i like the pacing so much is that despite jumping between time periods they make use of the present very well so that i'm always excited to be in every time period that they're jumping between um of course they recruit uh fastos is that how you say his name yeah hard names, but mm-hmm. fastos uh but before they, start, they meet tricky. a kid and his kid is like he's like I, they have the joke that's the ongoing joke he's like these are my friends from college and his kid's like, I saw that guy on TV yesterday. It's Superman, right? And, of course, without missing a beat, Rod Star's like, I don't wear a cape. And I'm like, all right, well, we know who Superman uh, is in this, in this universe here. Which I love. So. I love. Because it makes it more, like, it is, like, our world, our universe. Like, the, the pop culture references sure, that we're sure. making, they also can make. Oh, was, I was and, in the restroom for this sequence. Yeah, they, re- they reference Superman. And they also reference Julia Roberts as well. Yeah. See, here's what's weird for me though, Kev, about it is like they've referenced Star Wars in the past and things like that, and like they straight up had a Star Wars book in this. this. Guardians of the Galaxies and yeah, yeah, they've referenced everything. Those type of things get iffy when you start to actually think about them in a real timeline, where it's like, so why would Peter Parker ever call Empire Strikes Back that old movie when he has a Death Star Lego in Homecoming? Like, Uh, there's things like that that because we know the shit, it like Mm kind of like. I lose it a bit. It's weird that superheroes are a thing in this universe uh, in comic books because superheroes are a thing in this universe, really, unlike our universe. That's the only thing that gets weird about it. Where it's yeah. like, why wouldn't the comic books be about Iron Man? You know? That's true. Well, I, I imagine yeah, I that, that they are as well. Yeah. yeah. I just think that we know, like, like Logan, there are X Men comics, but, like, that was legal years rights. later. Legal rights. Right. Like, Iron Man you, is you definitely he's making his own. Yeah. You got, he's got a team of lawyers like they share with Jeff Bezos. I digress. I, the, the, by the way, the Empire Strikes Back line hit for me because all you young kids that grew up on the stupid prequels or the new trilogy, you just don't get it. Yeah. You don't. Uh, we would never be like, oh, but that old movie, uh, what's it called? Uh, oh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, but Have you ever met a Gen Zer? They don't know shit. Okay, no, they're just their brains have been melted away by TikTok. They don't understand anything. Look at Andy right now. Look at him. He can't. He doesn't know where he's at. Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him from the nose up. God damn it! I love Nick. I am ancient in terms of TikTok. <laughs> I know. I know. Just keep it. Uh, let's see. So from there, uh, Fistos is like, listen, we got to come up with a plan here, and the plan is going to be the unit. There it is. Give it to me. Hey, do you, you know anything? It? I know nothing I don't, um, no. I don't want it. Wait, hold on. Wasn't it the other side, Andy? Yeah, it was your mouth, Andy. It wasn't your eyes. No, it, <laughs> it was, was the beard. It was the eyes. No, it was the eyes. No, it was the beard. Was it? Yeah, it was, it was the, the mouth. No, it was the eyes. I have the meme. I can bring it up. Oh, okay. Well, give me the mouth. Oh, the mouth? Give me the mouth. Oh, man. I don't want it. <laughs> that that really works. That really works. You don't People, think it's gonna then it damn YouTube channel. You're getting this every freaking week. Sometimes <laughs> twice a week, sometimes three times a week, depending on those buzzers. Hey, so uh we're like, how are we gonna beat this? Well Fitz is like, places. listen, there it is. Oh my god. Uh, god that is horrifying. You it. look like the things from uh Edgar Wright's bad movie. I don't want it. Oh the the uh, at World oh, the aliens. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, pull your face away. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> no, it looks like the it looks like the the faceless things from last night in Soho. I digress. Um, we go back and and Fistos is like, I got to figure something out. We'll do the Unimind, which is a connection between all the Internals. If we do that, we might be able to uh, use Druig to mind control the Celestial Tiamat 
too much uh, to make to put it back to sleep forever. When did they learn the la- name? Because, like, all of a sudden everyone was like, oh, yeah, Tim, it's coming, you know? And I was like, I what did I mean? Maybe Arison told her that back, uh, you know? Interesting. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe she had that, yeah, that knowledge through the little sphere in her throat, which is, like, such a cool sci-fi thing. It, every it, time it, like, came out, it always grossed me out. I don't like anything happening around this area. It makes me very uncomfortable. It reminds me of, like, the, like, a tracheotomy, and that always makes yep. that no, thank you. Yeah, it's probably all those the wow. smoking yeah. things. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, are, here's my question before we move on. Are there multiple versions of these Eternals that have been put on other planets? Because it showed the no, factory. different versions, yeah. So everyone looks they're different. They're all different, yeah. Because okay. we saw Star-Lord. Star types. Star-Lord. Star-Fox. Star-Fox, you're right, you're right. I said it, and I was like, yeah. that's not right. Say it again, yeah. Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say it again. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> this uh, is a cool team. I kind of like the idea of, like, they're being manufactured, and in going back to what you were saying earlier, Nick, of, like, why do they have different powers? Like, what's the point of making something? Like, I like that it kind of seems like they don't even know. They're just like, we are making a bunch of different things, and we're just mm-hmm. hoping for the we'll best. We'll see which one works, yeah. Yeah, it kind of feels a little bit more like, they're, it, I know they're making it, but in the same way that kind of humans make babies, where you don't get to choose your baby. It's just, you know, is luck and science and all that shit combined. Like, I kind of like that it felt a little bit more real. Another thing from trailers that wasn't in this movie uh, was we saw other Celestials in the trailers that were not in this one. The green Celestial, we saw him doing some science shit. And he wasn't in this movie. Oh. Wait, oh, the one that had, like, kind of the wing, like... Yeah, and he, like, yeah. pulled out, like, some discs and, like, did yeah. some shit, and then yeah. wasn't in it. Hmm. Cool. Um, <laughs> either way, this is where we start getting, uh, where they're like, we gotta go get the ship, and the ship is where we go back and we meet, um, the, the speedster, uh, whose character is, I can't remember here. Makari. Makari. Uh, she's awesome. I, I was so at first, rad. I was like, what's going on here? Uh, and then still, but Rob Stark hasn't made the turn yet. And then he's like, listen, I can't let you guys do this. And they're like, what happened? And it turns out he's the one that used the, the deviants that fought out from the ice to kill Ajax and then framed the de- and it framed the deviant for it. And the deviants just wanted, just trying to get by, man. We're just trying to go to college better. They're just trying ourselves. to eat their food. They're just trying to eat their food. trying to eat my yeah. food and hang out. Uh, just trying to stay out of trouble, you know, do like after school program type things. I don't want to be on the streets, you know. And up until this point, I was like, this movie's kind of dragging a little bit for me. But once I realized, oh, shit, this is, this is like – they got to square off against Superman here. I'm like, this got me right back in. Uh, a like fight ensues, and he's like, yeah. I'm going to go. Don't screw around with me, uh, or else I'll have to kill all of you. And then Sprite's like, well, I've been in love with you forever, so I'll go with you. Uh, and the team is divided. And then just in, a, in an interesting move, uh, Kumail's character just abstains. He's like, I'm going to abstain from fighting, and I'm going to disappear until the very end of this movie where I wear a dope turtleneck. And it was, it was a choice. We'll just say that. It was, it was a, a bad choice. It was a bad choice. Like, in the climax. It should have been more obvious. Because I feel like he should have been in the background being like, I'm abstaining, guys. Remember, I don't want to fight right now. Because right. I'm abstaining. Because I forgot about it and it felt weird. It felt weird. It felt like well, they'd forgotten something. Well, I'll tell you why I forgot it. Because I think in that moment right there that um, Harish Patel's performance in saying goodbye was fucking phenomenal yeah Mm. him telling the crew goodbye got me to tear up and i was not expecting that from this character who for the most part has just been comic relief him showing up with all the cameras oh my god this guy's fucking hilarious i love these bits but him telling everybody like 
I, so I, funny. I thank you for everything you've done. I will like whatever it was in that moment Pretty got many. me real good. It got me real good. Yeah, it's true. For me, it was the line of like, "Thank you for everything you've done for humanity," and it was just yeah. like, "Oh shit, that's really cool. That's really cool to be able to thank these." I'm gonna miss you all. Like, oh, that's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the the Eternals were like, "We're not gonna, we're not gonna stop. We gotta save this planet." So they send Makari out to locate the the place the emergence is gonna happen, which is gonna be in a volcano in the Indian Ocean. Uh, and so they're like, "We'll head over there." But they encounter, of course, the other Eternals, uh, Icarus and Sprite are waiting there for them. Uh, also, Crow shows up and is like, I don't know whose side I'm on, but maybe I'll just do what Nick does when we're playing Smash Brothers and just fucking troll everyone here. Because uh, yeah. the only way to win is to make sure everyone else loses. Uh, and a fight ensues. Cool fight. Fasto's uh, uh, is like, you know, uh, Druid, you got to go. And then Druid gets taken out of the action. So then they're like, the only person left is seriously, you, you can you can do this. You can do this. Um, so they handle Icarus. He, like, staples him to the floor. Meanwhile, Angela and Jillian gets tied up in bondage in the, in the cave but ends up freeing herself and killing. Dude, Makari fucking up Icarus is, like, like, this is the type of shit that I love. And, I, mm-hmm. and Tim, it's a visual feast and Daddy's visual Hungry. Visual feast. Feed, Daddy. Feed. All of these sequences, again, just like the sequences that we saw in Shang-Chi, where I'm like, this is fucking a cartoon put to real life, and it doesn't look dumb. And her just fucking knocking him into the mountain and him just being totally perplexed by her speed. And then when Fastos comes in and it's just like blasting the dude with all the bracelets, it's just the coolest shit ever. Like this is, this is a visual spectacle. This is like a superhero movie and you need to watch this on a big ass screen to really appreciate it. So cool. Michael watch it on his phone though. I, I love this scene so much. And like, it reminds me of the moment in justice league, both versions of justice league where we get, uh, the, all of them beating up against Superman, and then we get the Flash running, and he looks over, and Superman does the slow turn over at him. It's, it's like, oh, shit, you're moving as fast with me. But it's like that one moment of like, oh, fuck, this is so cool. This kind of felt like an entire fight scene of that. Yeah. And it was just faster. It just kind of moved. I, I just really, really enjoyed it, and I thought they used her power set really well, especially when it was essentially Flash versus Superman, you know? And I, I, I really love, too, the not – omnipresent kind of knowledge uh, aspect of these people being real things at the end of the day of like her running away like around the world to try to find where the source was was. like I love that shit because I love that she was going and when she comes back later and like doesn't really know what's going on that's so cool because I feel like a lot of other movies would have just had her come on come in and immediately be put it together and like know what's going on I I liked how real so many of the characters felt and also shout out to uh her being deaf and using a lot of sign language, I thought that was really cool. That was, yeah, um, that was cool. And that's the reason why, Nick, this movie got review-bombed, because... Um, I thought it, it got review-bombed because of, fa- of fastest. A little bit of everything. Yeah, everything. A little bit of everything, yeah. It's like, hey, there's a lot of, like, people that are, you know, showing... It's equality, right? This is great. And that's why a lot of reason why I got review-bombed. But I, I loved seeing her sequences. I loved, like, I never in a million years thought that we would see two gay men kiss on screen in a DC or in a Disney movie. Like that's pretty shocking to me. I, I didn't expect that. And it's awesome. Um, we got it. We, we got somewhat of a, a kiss in the background of the last star Wars movie. And it was like, there's going to be a gay kiss in star Wars. And it was like, just kind of in the background. Hope you don't notice it. Uh, but I thought it was really, I thought it was awesome. Very cool. And, and, and with that, uh, from the, the comic side of things, like the Eternals lineup we have here is not what it looks like in the comics at all. A lot more white men in the comics. Sprite is a white boy man. 
uh, man, boy, whatever you want to say. And uh, then we got uh, other characters as well that are are totally different. Like a lot of them are men. Ajax is a man uh, in the comics. Like so, they they did a lot there. Um, I think was very great choices. Like every actor in this is fantastic. I think. Um, but what's really cool to Andy's point about the Disney stuff is Disney is putting their foot down and being like, we're not censoring this shit. So this yeah, that was the big thing too. Worldwide, yeah. Certain, in worldwide, some countries were like, we're banning this, and they're like, cool, yeah. we're not going to re-edit it. Oh, great. And, uh, but what sucks is there are some countries that are just straight up re-editing it. I think they're going to get sued. It's going to turn into a whole thing. But at the end of the day, at this point, shout out to Disney for how they're handling this movie at least, where mm-hmm. they not only like stuck to their guns on like trying to obviously say something and, and do something different, but then right. stand by it, which is, is huge because the Star Wars moment Eddie's talking about, they let get edited out for other territories. So mm-hmm. it's cool. Uh, I will also uh, add they had a – I think this might have been the first Marvel movie to have a sex scene too, right? Oh, yeah. Debatable. Because Tony Stark got his fuck on multiple times. Yeah, yeah. we never saw it. We yeah, like, were, like he was insider in that the scene. The fact that we saw a thrust, I was like, wow, they're like fucking Tim, right now. <laughs> Tim, it was like almost it's as hot right as there. the scene is I don't think we needed of, it. I don't think it – like, We definitely didn't need it, Kevin. No, or, it, it, it like wasn't – I think we did. I think we needed it because we're all so clearly invested in Kid Harrington and her that I think we needed that to, like, push it and be like, yo, these motherfuckers have 7,000 years together, and, like, they be fucking, dog. Like, yeah. <laughs> they be on some shit. Uh, um, I, one, one thing about the fight before we leave it, uh, I really liked it. At the end of it, the, they, they beat it, like, Fastos is the one that beats Icarus, right, using his technology to, like, hold him yeah. down. Uh, where all these other people using strength don't do it, and I, I really like that. Well, cool. he does, he does to a degree, but then he, Icarus, of course, like like all Superman archetypes, punches harder, gets out of it, and goes to kill Cersei. Well, before that, Cersei got stabbed in the in the gut by Sprite, which is great, which is great, uh, and then Druig uh, knocks her unconscious, and you're like, oh, shit, is Cersei going to die because she, we don't have our healer anymore? And they're like, well, don't think about it ever again. You're do like, you think oh, Druig okay. would have just like? Mind controlled her or something, but uh, you could have done that. He was like, like, I'm gonna do this the like, old fashioned way. Year, 5,000 years of animosity. <laughs> We're a family. That guy's a knock over the head. Let, let's use the most like prehistoric Kane. tool right here a exactly. rock, and let me just bang her over the fucking head. Right here in these final moments, what I think would have helped me feel a bit better, I don't think it would have fixed all of my, uh, all my issues with the movie, but I would have felt a bit better had Bill Skarsgård's character, Gro, Crow? Crow. Crow. The the evolved um, deviant. I would have liked to see the evolved deviant not fuck around and just get killed uselessly by Angelina Jolie. I think we need to see more of him throughout the movie to make it feel meaningful, and we need to see him try to help Gemma Chan succeed in her yeah. ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I. That's what I absolutely wanted. I wanted his turn to be a little bit more like Homie from Captain Marvel. Where you're like, this guy's a bad guy the whole time, and he's a bad guy, and then he turns into an awesome guy, and you're like, oh, maybe the Kree aren't that, or the Skrull aren't that bad. After yeah, that. but even yeah. then, I would take it a step further, where I don't necessarily need him to flip sides and have yeah. the, you know, kind of trope, the Batman v Superman, we're working together now, but just have him end a little bit more sympathetic, because I feel like his kind of arc in this movie went from bad guy to sympathetic to, like, bad guy mm-hmm. so quickly that it's like, I, none of those felt developed then. It, it just sucks. Like, it, I would have liked it if, like the rest of the Eternals, like, the way they leave Sprite, where it's like, yo, Sprite kind of fucks things up. And not in the way that, like, Star-Lord fucks things up in Infinity War. Well, like, that, uh, hold on a second. That was really bad. Star-Lord and Infinity War 
No, let's not start that. Let's not start that. I mean, well, regardless of that, but it's like, yeah. catastrophic, but brought to by love, like brought to by like real human emotion and stuff, which yeah. Starlord is right, half the human. Same thing. That's exactly my point, Kevin. Yes, like the like dealing with this thing. I think that she kind of like is set up in this way. What's up? I thought you were saying it was it was not as bad as Star Lord. It's different, but I, I whatever. I forgot it. Train uh, station. Moving on, the train is gone, and we're all having we have we have to pee, so we're waiting for the bathroom right now. Uh, knocking on the door. <laughs> no, hey, I don't know. Uh, uh, so we have this great we have a great scene where he, where uh, Icarus breaks free, but of course he goes and he confronts her and he can't kill her as she's as she's as this massive beautiful visual of the celestial's hand is cresting from the water and she's turning it into ice as its as its head starts popping out, which is super cool. Um, and he's like, I, I he loves her too much, and I think this is where uh, we get we get a pretty good performance here from from Richard Madden as he starts to cry and like his eyes light up for a second and then they go back and they light up for a second and then they're like he's like fuck I can't do this I love her too much. So he's just like, I gotta go. I gotta he's off. good, man. Why doesn't he get more roles? <laughs> this motherfucker's good, dude. It was good. <laughs> this part was good. I like this. Part. I like the acting in this part. Um, she freezes the thing, and it's all done. And it's like, woohoo, we won! I, and Icarus is like, I'm gonna go punch myself into the sun. And Joey I, started laughing because she has no heart. Well, it's a really stupid scene. I do really, <laughs> I do really wish that at that moment, uh, Icarus had looked at her and said, "I'm like, I don't want to hurt you." But I can't not do my my mission, my job, whatever, right? Like this yeah, is my either. role. Like you have yeah. to destroy me, and I wish she like destroyed him. Same. Yeah. Well, yeah. they set that, that up. Right? They set up that she could she could kill things now, and I thought yeah. that's where well, that was I mean, going to go too. Celestial. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah. I'm on the other end of you guys. I like it. I like him choosing to kill himself and doing it the fun. way. Yeah, because like I, he knows what it is. Like he knows that it is based on the myth of Icarus flying too close to the sun and right, stuff. Like yeah. they set that up earlier uh, with uh, with all the other characters and how they're based on legends and all this stuff. Or they are the legends that right. mythology is kind of based on. So I I kind of read it as like he knew what he was doing and like he didn't know that there were viewers watching necessarily. But like uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not so taken out of it because like I know that it's on the nose, but I think the character knows it's on the nose, so that kind of makes it okay. Fair enough. Um, I do, I do like thinking about the Superman thing, going back to that for a second. Do you think that people like in the forties saw him and were like, man, that'd make a cool comic book. And then that's where they got the idea from Superman from. Cause he has a lot, he's very in, close to in Superman. the MCU, in the MCU. That, yeah. I'm going totally. to make that a rumor. Yeah, no, it could be possible. Yeah. That'd be it's crazy. Just, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Also the, in the, 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 there's a very popular Superman, uh, comic that he, at the end, all Star Superman, we have to go regenerate yeah. in the sun. Yeah, that was cool shit. Yeah. I like that one. Also, shout out to the long Halloween part one and part two, by the way. Don't sleep on that. It's not no random. HBO Max. <laughs> I was like, I oh, liked HBO the comic Max. Got it. They just, they just launched the, the uh, part one, part two of the movie, really and I was bad. like, I don't know if I need to watch this. I liked it. Um, you didn't like it? I haven't seen it. I just heard it was really bad. Oh, no, I, I, I got into it. I didn't like the I didn't like the first hour of the first one, but then I kept watching about part two. I was like, I forgot how much I liked the long Halloween. I digress. Um... As we go here, we wrap it all up, and guess what? Cersei's got a little extra of that, that, that fun power left, so she turns Sprite into a human being, and Sprite's like, cool, this is all I've ever wanted, is to grow up and eventually die. Get, hey, guess what? When you hit 40 and you blow out your knee, Sprite, you're going to have a full decision. Yeah. Bring you suddenly back. you can't keep up with the youngins on the basketball court, and you're getting constantly crossed over it and broken ankles, like, 
Yeah. yeah have, you can thank yourself for that, Sprite, okay? <laughs> we should have fucking killed you for trying to ruin all of this. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but either way, they don't. Uh, they all take off. Let's see. Then we get uh, Athena. Uh, we got a fun little scene uh, in, in North Dakota where um, the kid's like, hey, are, who are you? And she's like, I'm – he's like, you're Athena, right? She goes, no, Athena just dropped the A, which I'm not quite sure what the reference was there. And then she, he's like, what's your superpower? And she fucking skewers an orange. And then Fastos is like, all right, your babysitting uh, is – your right is revoked. For I her. love his like, freak out mode. Like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> like getting yeah. up out of the seat is great. Uh, we also said, by the way, that she's done with Mad Weary. I think she snapped out of it now that they, uh, they beat the, the Titan. And they part ways, and Cersei, Fastos, Kingo, and Sprite remain on Earth as Dane professes his love for Cersei over in London. And we're like, oh, this is nice. Uh, I think uh, Athena, Druig, and Makari uh, leave on the Domo uh, to find other Eternals to free them or and or fight them, which I presume will be the part of at least uh, the next movie. Uh, meanwhile, Cersei and, and Jon Snow, Jon's like, I'm gonna, you know what? A lot of people don't wear red scarves. I'm going to wear a red scarf because I look good in it. And I'm like... You know what? Maybe five eight is the perfect height, Andy. Maybe. Maybe it is Maybe. the perfect height. Oh no, it's not because the clouds part and who should show up? But Arison is here. He's pissed. He was like, "Guys, I told you Fuck you could have up. a couple friends over, but you fucked up the entire house, and now you got to pay." Uh, he takes all the remaining Eternals from the planet and zaps them off to we don't know where. But I like the visual of him going into a singularity and popping off. And then uh, Jon Snow's like, "I got. I don't know what to do, but I gotta go get my magic sword." But we won't see that until the mid credit sequence. And I think that's the end of the movie. Oh, did wait. You hear, um, what? It's not. Star Fox shows up. I was going to say, did you hear Tam's prediction last night? Our, we went to the movie. For people who don't know who Tamar Hussein, uh, he's on a lot of our video game content. And he was with us at the movie last night. And he said, I think what's going to happen is that um, essentially a, a celestial was due. And a celestial was not made. And that Galactus is going to send the Silver Surfer to go to Earth to be like, where the fuck is this, this celestial at, y'all? Like, because he's like the, what's it called? Like the kind herald. of like the harbinger. The herald, herald. yeah, the herald. The herald yeah, yeah. That's what it is, yeah, the herald. So, he's, so that's how they introduce, uh, that's how they'll introduce Galactus and the Silver Surfer to the MCU. <sighs> well, that the, so the fact cool. that they have that imagery, like the iconic sort of like celestial Galactus-esque imagery of that big thing floating out by the Earth, Incredible. gets me so well, fucking actually, excited. you know, now, now that we are thinking... You're thinking thinkin so hard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, but I stopped myself. But thank you. Thank you for reminding me who we are. Now that we're, like, thinking about, like, the different ideas and stuff and how they can integrate stuff, I what if, like... So the, the, the energy that we were creating, right? They were saying that you need an intelligent society or, or civilization. Intelligent life. Yeah. Intelligent life. So there must be some sort of life force or something that, like, we all, with a certain number, we hit that. Right? It's not something like that. But, like, what if, like, this is the fate of all planets, right? And if they go higher than that threshold because they somehow stop the celestial. Set off an alarm. (laughs) Well, it doesn't set off an alarm, but Galactus senses them. Yeah, if that's it goes awesome. higher, Galactus can sense them, and he'll come oh, over. That would be fucking. Out of the frying pan into the oven in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. um, also, great. one one more thing. I did really like that the uh, Asriel like grabbed them all and was like, "You've chosen to do this." Erishin. So Erishin, you're right. Asriel, someone else. Uh, Erishin, uh and then says like. We'll come back to judge them. 
to see if like they're worthy of sticking around. Yeah. Because so uh, for people that might not be familiar, like in in the Marvel universe and specifically in the Infinity War storyline, I think this is the most famous use of these characters. We kind of get. Uh, a bunch of these, like, incredibly universal-level cosmic entities where yeah, they're, they're, like... They're even bigger than the the Celestials. Yeah, Living Tribunal, which yeah. is kind of, like, like judge, there's judgment going on. Like, it's the cosmic court of forces. the universe. These yeah. cosmic focus, there's death. They're like, the in, in the Infinity Gauntlet story, it, Thanos is not trying to eliminate half of life no, for, like, these good death, reasons. Right? He's yeah. trying to impress Lady Death, who's, like, this whole thing. So it's, like, this is... It was interesting that they're kind of, like, MCUifying this celestial to kind of potentially be that judgment character. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I thought that that line was definitely a choice that they, they made for the future of this. I like I wouldn't be surprised. I liked it too. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we never get an Eternals too. Like, I think that this movie was definitely to set up characters, set them on their ways I, to then be in a bunch of other things. Other movies, I, yeah, I cool. think, like, I would, I wouldn't be shocked if we got an Eternals too, but it was about the crew that, like, left. And then... Some other movie takes care of what's happening with uh, Azrael and like the you know the Eternals that he stole. I don't know the name, Tim. Yeah, I don't know the right. name. Yeah. Right, the word yeah, yeah, yeah. situation. Arturo in chat says it's going to be weird having a whole damn head of a celestial in the ocean now. Uh, hey, they're they're figuring out the polar ice cap issue. You know, maybe we can. It's, it's not ice. It's marble. This is really bad. It's, it's not it's ice. Place. It's not ice. They they say that it's stone. Like Fuck. Yeah. yeah. It, this is really bad. When that it was ice, it was really bad. Pretty good. This should cause flooding across the, the That's world. That's exactly then. right. The displacement of water is going to be really bad, Andy. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, the tides are rising at least seven feet around the nation, mm-hmm. around the world. I, that's, that, scary. That's, that's one of the most interesting things that I'm, like, very excited to someday see how MCU handles is, like, this thing popping up and what are the actual effects on the planet itself. It's a cool so, movie. It's a cool fucking movie. So here it's we are. It's so funny. She could have made it anything. She made it stone. She could have made it air. She could have made it nothing. She kept going back to, like, I can make a rock this. I can make a rock that. I can make but a rock this. She was making this. rock other things. That was a hilarious moment, by the way. The comedy, I enjoyed very much all throughout. Uh, so here we are. We already talked about the post-credit scenes. And so unless you guys have something else to say, I said we kick right into a thing I like to call Andy. Haiku. In review. <laughs> almost. Almost. <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of forgot that I started right with it. Yeah. As I hit play, I was like, all right, I'm about to pop in when the cue hits. No, I think it's right at the beginning. Seven syllables in the middle. You need five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to fret. Haikus don't need to rhyme. Haiku in review. Haiku in review. Go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write your review in haiku form just like Z Pol did. Dane gets his reward. Are you ready, Mr. Whitman? That was Blade's voice. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it fucking was. For a while there, Dane gets the reward. Are you ready, Mr. Whitman? I was like, did uh, is this a haiku and review from uh, last night in Soho? Like, Tim, did a uh, quick question about the the post credit scene? Was that Excalibur or was that the other sword? That was the Ebony Blade. They oh. mentioned earlier. They're like, oh, is that I Excalibur? Thought they, yeah. I thought they had found and gave it to his family. Interesting. No, no, no. That is that is the Ebony Blade. Yeah, the blade that she was swinging that that uh 
Cena uh, was swinging that one sequence, they talked. To, they it that made this scene kind of make sense. Essentially. Yeah. Wait. All right. Joe Mertens writes in and says, it's very pretty, and the cast is impressive, but mid-tier Marvel. And Brandon Monforte says, Kumail steals the show. Harry Styles is fucking Eros? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Very interesting. I I wonder when we're going to see him next, because I I can't think of a place that that fits, but that's kind of the fun of this MCU where we're at right now, where who the fuck knows? I'm shocked I didn't get spoiled at anywhere on TikTok, shockingly. About I heard it was anything. all over the place that first about day anything. when it leaked. Oh. Joey told me she had gotten spoiled about something, yeah. and I stayed away from TikTok yeah. for a day. I was spoiled on the Harry Styles thing, not because of TikTok, but just in, in general. But yeah. <clears throat> anyway, those are your haiku interview. Now it's time for Ragu Bagu. Ragu. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Ragu Guys Talk Bad Guys for the MCU, or if people like to call it the longest list on the planet with many, 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 many tiers. Tim, I don't think I have this list. I have the list, Mr. Scarpino. It's okay. We have, of course, the S tier, A tier, B tier, C, D, and F tier. Um, the last one that we ranked was Ultron from What If at the top of the B tier above Bacon Guy from First Class. No, sorry. Sorry. Nope. Baconator from First Class. Bacon oh, Guy. Oh, Kevin Bacon. Uh, yeah, totally Bacon Guy on the list is, uh, in, in the yeah, S tier, yeah. in the F tier. Tim, can you read to me C and D tier, please? I will read you C and D, Andy Cortez. C starts with uh, Cree, June Lad, Jude Lad, Jude Law, Jude Law, yeah, That's Jude right. Law, and then Captain Marvel. Yes. Uh, then we have Francis Angel from Deadpool. We have Red Skull. We have Rockwell slash Mickey. We have mm-hmm. the Dink. Slash Sentinels. We have Magneto <laughs> slash Brotherhood and Mass slash Dormammu in the C tier. And then kicking off the D tier, we have the Vision from Solo. <laughs> then the Mandarin slash Aldrich from Iron Man 3. Obadiah from Iron Man 1. Oh, nice. uh, Franco Malloy slash Taskmaster from Black Widow. Loki from Thor 1. And the Flag Smasher slash John Walker from Falcon and Winter Soldier. God damn. What's the really bottom of the A list? Confusing. Bottom of A list. Yeah, give me the last three. Just give me the last three. Just give me the last three, Tim. Give me the last three. Ella Grandmaster, Ego, and Mysterious from Far From Home. Interesting, interesting. Is um, this Doc, by the way, in the kind of funny master drive? I would love to just bring it up on my own. It is not. I don't have to ask you. No, every no time. it's private. It he wants us to ask. He said that. Um, so, can we discuss who the villain is? It's Asriel and. Um, yep, Asriel. It's definitely Asriel. I don't know it. Like, you, just, you just let read a list where you had named someone and you said bacon guy. Oh, I'm sorry, not bacon guy. It's baconator. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm That's sorry. I'm sorry. I, it is an important distinction. But <laughs> guess right, which guess. one are right. right? Guess which one of those two were the right name? Neither, Neither of them. Yeah. Thank you. Neither of them. Thank you. They weren't right name by choice. <laughs> Which one? So, Azazel is a bad guy, right? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> Azazel and Icarus, yeah. <laughs> right? Those are the two baddies? Erisem and Icarus are the bad people, yeah. I would say Icarus yeah. more than Erisem, but yes. Well, I mean, I don't know. And I, don't know. Well, I would say, yeah, the deviants. I wouldn't really put Erisem on the, on the, as the bad guy. I think that that's, he's just an entity of the universe. That uh, destroys planets. So yeah. That his, 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 his race can continue. Yeah, I don't know. I think in terms of how this movie presents it, I think it's the, the deviants and 
Um, Icarus. Ismahawk, as Nick called him. Yeah. Icarus. Perfect. Wherever you want to put him. Andy, you have the list in front of you. You tell me where to put him, and I'll agree with you or disagree with you. Okay, so, oh, gosh, this is so tough because it's one of those cool in concept kind of wasted opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to put this, dude, so that's S, that's A, that's B. I would put it underneath Dormammu okay. and so Maz Mickelson. Let's start at the tier. I would go. I would go S A B. I would go C tier. C tier, man. Yeah, I would go C tier. See, I think high B tier. So you're thinking over, like you're thinking maybe. Oh, you know what, Kevin? Yeah, I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm hearing echo. Maybe it's Tim's. Do you think it's Tim's headphones going? Yes, it is. is. You put them too close, idiot. Um, let's say. Let's see here. Um. Damn, Kevin, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I know. It's, this okay. is a tough one. I'd say maybe go over Ultron from Age of Ultron. Uh, you, you need to give me the B list now. I'm sorry, B- I don't have it. Did B- you share this with everyone, or is this something special? Uh, he, he shared it with me. I, Tim, I'm thinking B tier underneath Hydra from Winter Soldier and over Ultron from Age of Ultron. I don't disagree I with that. more C tier. I, I feel more under Ultron, but above the Captain Marvel bad guys. It's just, I think that the, the fact that they fucked up I the DVD like storyline so bad is, like, such a loss of the movie's potential. I, but like, that, to me, is its biggest offense. So I don't want to give reward them in any way for being I, bad. I, I feel like excluding Asriel, Asriel, or whatever the hell his name mm-hmm. is, is fucked up. Like, that's, Actually. like, exclu- excluding Dormammu. Or it's like I, mean, no, I don't think it changes in, my thoughts anyway. Uh, Having right, him well, in or out doesn't matter. I I think that I think that they're compelling villains. I don't think that the uh, you know deviants are, and it is unfortunate that they screwed it up. But top of C tier, I'm going top let, of C tier then. Nah, see, I I think middle to bottom of B tier, middle to bottom of B tier. Who's B-tier. the last one on the B tier? Ultron. He's better From than Age Ultron. Of Ultron. Come on. Icarus is better than Ultron. Like, it was a cool character. I wish the ending was a little bit stronger, but Ultron sucks. We have no decision. Hmm. Nick? Oh, yeah, Nick's opinion. I would say top of C tier. Top of C tier. Over the Kree and Jude Law from Captain Marvel. Yes. I think that's more. That's Joey's more. right on it. God, she's right on it. That's what I would say. There we go. Thank you, John. Who do we want? Nick, tell me. Who are we writing down? We are going to write down Icarus and Azazel. (laughs) (laughs) No, Erisem, I would say. Ashley Burns. (laughs) It is Ashwell, right? Something like Erisem. Erisem. Erisem, yeah. You're talking about the Celestial. Yeah. I had it yeah. up. All right, let's rank the movie. Let's fucking rank this thing. Kev, please bring it up. Currently, uh, the list is a long, long, long list. Uh, number one, Endgame. Number two, Infinity War. Number three, Homecoming. Number four, Civil War. Number five, Ragnarok. Number six, Winter Soldier. Number seven, Guardians 2. Number eight, Loki. Number nine, WandaVision. Number 10, Avengers. Number 11, Guardians 1. Number 12, Shang-Chi. Number 13, Iron Man. Number 14, Far From Home. Number 15, Black Panther. Number 16, Doctor Strange. Number 17, Falcon and Bucky. Number 18, Captain Marvel. 19, Ant-Man and Wasp. 20, Ant-Man. 21, Black Widow. 
Widow, 22, Iron Man 2, 23, Age of Ultron, 24, First Avenger, 25, Iron Man 3, 26, What If, 27, Hulk, 28, Thor, 29, Dark World. I would like to start this one off. Oh! oh. Really like this movie a lot, as I think evidenced by the last two hours of us talking about it. I think we're all kind of in a similar place of, eh, a lot of potential, didn't live up to it, but it's still damn good. Having said all that, though, there's a lot of good movies and shows we're talking about here. I put this at number 26, 26. underneath Iron Man 3, and above What If. That's wild. Woo! No, 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 that's way Woo! too long. I don't uh, if, I, if I may, if I may, Kevin I thought this was a great movie. I, it was an epic. We haven't seen a movie like this in a long time. I enjoyed it, I think, more than Shang-Chi, and just a little bit less than Game, uh, than uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I would put it at number 12. Wow, that is Jeez. very high. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, say. we're going to be talking about... I have the same Jesus, all right? Like, both yeah. of y'all, I'm going, Jesus, I think, guys. I, I really think that over the next decade, this movie is going to mean more and more. And it's, it's, like, it's setting up a lot of things. And, like, it's got us all thinking, you know? It's got our minds percolating like a cup of coffee. I will go next. Maybe. I will be... Let me be let me be the uh, the mediator between you all because this is exactly what I was thinking before you all even said your numbers. I would put this beneath Doctor Strange above Falcon and Winter Soldier um, at number seventeen. Mm. Mm. See, unfortunately, I'm more with him on this one. Where I just thought this movie was fine. I didn't think it was. I don't really. Yeah, it didn't really do too much for me, and I can't put it above Iron Man three because. Having just rewatched that movie, you can't put it above Iron Man three. Can't do it. It's not as fun. But at the end of the day, the movie wasn't that much fun, and that's and I understand what they were going no, for. No, it, it was like a crazy seven thousand year long. A different tone for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Iron Man three is not tone. Iron Man three either. But that's why we're talking about the bottom third of a good movie list. I feel like Iron Man three is not good. I would describe this movie as good. This would have a solid seven and a half in my book, maybe even an eight, probably an eight. I'd probably put it where Tim put it. I'd probably put it at twenty six. I'd put it lower on the list. We should really do another individual rankings. Think yeah. about that, Tim. Just do on that. Every time you say something like that, Andy, it makes my life infinitely more complicated because <laughs> I get a bunch of tweets and Reddit threads, and I'm like, I try so hard to schedule things, guys. I try so fucking hard. <laughs> let's also re-review the Toy Story movies. How about that? Let's, let's just more? re-review all of MCU. Let's do one more time. <laughs> let's give it another go. Just yeah, I mean, there's a lot of extreme opinions here. We'll see what, what Greg thinks. There's no definitive answer here because everybody's yeah. kind of all over the place. This is right. unfortunate. I, and it, this let me, in a very bad place. Let me make a prediction. 26. I vote 26, Kev votes 12, and he votes 17, which means we cannot rank it. And I hope that Greg is able to watch this movie soon because this might put us in this review, in MCU review, in a standstill for a couple months. Prediction yeah, pizza bet. No, just prediction, rankings. It'll just prediction rankings pizza bet. Greg is going to put this at number 15 over Black Panther and underneath Far From Home. That's my prediction pizza bet. I can see that. I, I actually, I could be one over to move down there. And you have to it has all the right makings now. for a movie that Greg would hate. Really, Kevin. really, really long and like serious tone, and it's got some jokes here and there. But it, you know, it's it's more of a it, it's less of a fun jaunt. You know what I mean? But I still think it's going to be one of those weird ones. I he's don't a wow, dad Greg now. Really I mean, he's That's serious. Wild. Yeah, he's more serious now. I know he hated the Guardians of the Galaxy game. Dude hated that game. Crazy. Really hated it. Game. You it was serious? The worst he's ever played in his life. 
No, he didn't say that. He was kind of like, ah, he didn't really love it. That's so sad. That's a good Andy is here to fucking start some fires yes, today. You want to talk about Shin Megami Tensei, Andy? <laughs> or not, okay? I love you all. Fuck yeah, I want to fight all those nerds. Comments below <laughs> what you have to say about the Eternals. I love that there's a lot of varying opinions on this. I think that, that is a sign that the MCU is doing some cool shit. So let us know in the comments below what you think. We will return and in review very shortly. Like I said, Spider-Man 3 rewatch goes. Ghostbusters 2016 coming your way next week, and then we're going to come back to the MCU and review multiple times in the next couple months. Uh, we got Hawkeye, we got Spider-Man, No Way Home, very Ooh. exciting stuff, but until then, love you all. Goodbye. Every fucking time. <laughs> I gotta be real with all of you. Like, I yeah. almost feel bad having this intro for these movies. Kevin Kennedy hit me up. He's like, hey, I have an idea for the Spider-Man movies that isn't this bad. And unfortunately, we haven't got it quite yet. <laughs> the, Can I the tell you something? You're still working on some stuff. What's up, Anthony Carboni? I don't, I don't think there's anything bad about it. I love it. I think it's charming and wonderful. I agree. It's a more of a respect thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the audience say we don't show these movies enough respect, and I don't know that we're doing ourselves any favors by starting the video with that. I think it's more. I've always seen it as it's more about us. Like You're the right. harmonica is our dumb take. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, and many dumb right. takes will be had on this yeah. show. What's up, Nick? I was gonna say I think that's the case until we hit Spider-Man three, and then <laughs> then it's, then we share that blame equally. With Sam oh. Raimi and the crew from that movie. It's just looming. Yeah. The thing about being here in the year of our Lord 2021 and, and knowing how it all turns out is you you can just feel Spider-Man 3 looming in the distance. It's, it's I one thing them set up things that are going to happen in Spider-Man 3, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to see how Harry Osborn. Oh. Oh. Uh, the irony is there is a good chance we'll have a new intro that's better starting with Spider-Man 3. Yeah. I know Spider-Man 3, the respect it deserves. The greatest of the Raimi trilogy, says oh. Tim Gettys. You know what? You know what Peter Parker always said in Spider-Man 3? Hey, Hepcat, slap me some cheese. <laughs> That's next week. Let's not get there yet, because this is kind of funny. Sony Spider-Man Universe in review. That's right. It was formerly known as Sony Pictures Universe and Marvel Characters, but as of August 2021, it's now just Sony Spider-Man Universe. Uh, we're going to be ranking and reviewing all of the Spider-Man movies. No, we're not. We're just rewatching them, because we already ranked and reviewed them. You didn't like our rankings, so guess what? We're going back to the drawing board and seeing what we think a couple years later, leading in to Spider-Way... Ah, I, I keep saying Spider-Way, No Way Home. I don't know why. You said it's it the first show, show and everybody was like, nobody pounced on Tim when he said it the first time. I was like, I thought of it, but we had just started. Like, yeah, I don't want to get off with that sort of energy. I keep saying it, though. But anyway, Spider-Man, No Way Home, that's what we're leading into. It's very exciting stuff. Uh, this is Kind of Funny's In Review, where each and every week we get together and rank, review, and recap two different movies. Except for this week, where we're doing three. We're continuing our Spider-Man rewatches. We're also starting Ghostbusters In Review. And later in the week, we're returning to Edgar Wright In Review with the new Last Night in Soho that I am extremely excited to watch and talk to you all about. Uh, you can watch the show on YouTube.com slash kindoffunny or roosterteeth.com. You can also get it as a podcast by searching your favorite podcast service for Kinda Funny in Review. Nick Scarpino, what's up? 
Tim, would you say you're so over excited? Yeah, you raise your work. hand for that. You raise yeah, your hand. Yeah, we're raising the hand. And do you I, think? That's a joke. It's not <laughs> yeah, a hard joke. Like, it's fair, right? God, man, we deserve the harmonica. <laughs> we do. You were right, Carboni. <laughs> uh, you, if you wanted to, for some reason, watch this show live as we record it and get the show ad free, you can go to Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny, just like our Patreon producers Molecule and Pranksy have done. Uh, we appreciate you all so very, very much. And because of that, you won't have to listen to the ads for me on these trade coffee and uncommon goods that we will be getting to later. I didn't even introduce us all yet, because we all just had such a good jive and time getting into it. I'm Tim Geddes. Joining us is our very special guest, Anthony Carboni. Oh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be back. I'd like to keep this one to a tight two hours and 45 minutes if we could. I'm going to try <laughs> to scale back a little bit on my on my uh, commentary here, because I've got somewhere to be in four and a half hours. <laughs> I've got to be... <laughs> Ah, we'll see how it goes. And joining us again for his first time on the Spider-Man uh, in review train, we got blessing Eddie Oye Jr. Did I catch that right? Are we not re-ranking these? No. No. Hell no. So why am I here? I, that's the whole point I came. I want to make sure we got it right Damn. this time. You're telling me we're not re-ranking these. Damn. Damn. Only oh, thing and I are going to make our own, because we weren't here for the first one. We'll make our oh, own ranking. I like that. Follow my live journal, and you'll get that ranking. Perfect. And I think, me, I think me and Anthony Carboni are going to align a lot. Based on uh, Anthony's thoughts on Spider-Man 1, I'm excited for this, because I think me and you are gonna, both going to agree on Spider-Man 2. I still, the I still think about you. I still think about you saying a collection of memories about Spider-Man 1, and I was like, God damn, that's great. What a poet. Thank you, thank you. What a poet. <laughs> it's like Aunt May in this movie. Uh, of course, we also have the producer slash producer, Nick Scarpino. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> a fan favorite. Gotta love it. And... Of course, it's in review. So we have the Nitro Rifle, Andy Cortez. Hello, everyone. I hope you all are doing great. Great afternoon, everybody. Great afternoon. I know this intro has already been a great sign of the energy we have going into this episode, but I love, and I'm just teasing this out for now, that Anthony Carboni referenced LiveJournal, and this will not be the last you hear of LiveJournal this episode. So no, it will get not. ready for that. You won't know when it's coming, but it's coming, everybody. And, and for whenever it does eventually arrive here, Carboni, make sure the gate on your mic real low so we can... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some fun stuff, but let's get into it. Today, we are talking about Spider-Man 2. Uh, the original title for this was going to just be The Amazing Spider-Man, but they ended up not doing that, obviously. The reboot later would get that name. But I just love that they just called it Spider-Man 2. Like, that is such a bygone era of just, yeah. like, let's just add some numbers. It's like, they just don't do that anymore. Like, I can't think of any franchises nowadays that would ever just put a number after the thing. Am I missing anything? The Last of Us Part 2. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's... It's Sony, so they focus grew they focus tested like a bunch. They they it was almost Spider Man No More, it was almost Spider Man Unmasked. It was almost like they had like four different titles for it and then they were I think it just turned into a fuck it, just put the movie out. <laughs> we just have to get this movie out, please. Uh, it was released on June 30th, 2004, a.k.a. my 15th birthday. Yeah, I saw this on my 15th birthday, and I had a great time being a 15-year-old. It was fantastic stuff. Uh, it was directed by Sam Raimi once again. Uh, music once again done by Danny Elfman. It had a budget of $200 million and a box office of $789 million, uh, making it the third highest grossing film of 2004. Would anyone like to guess what the two movies above it are? 2004. The Matrix. No. One of the Matrix movies. Mm-mm. Uh, anything that had to do with Keanu Reeves. 
No. Can I get... Okay, is Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie? Titanic. No. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Is it... Five, 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 Prisoner yeah. of Azkaban? Prisoner of Azkaban, ah, coming in at number two, coming in at number two. Azkaban. Well, what was above the best Harry Potter movie? And what was above Harry Potter in the Prisoner of Azkaban? No. Lord right? of the Rings! No, oh, I know there this. There we go. Blessing. Blessing got it. Shrek. Oh, I fucking knew it. Shrek. Oh, it was. I was like, okay. what was I doing? Shrek two. Well, because in 2004, I I would have been in fourth grade. We don't want to know. We don't I would have been going. Blessing. I would have been going into fifth grade, and I was like, mm-hmm. what would I have been watching in that moment? It would have been Shrek, or Shrek two. Wow. Shrek two. Shrek two. Look, we know what the real franchise was. You know what I mean? We know what the real money-making, long-lasting franchise was that came out of the early 2000s, and it was fucking Shrek. It was. It was. And they didn't bother. I've never seen it. That was, that, hey, wait, hey, no, you're lying. You've never seen Shrek? Never seen Shrek. That's right. Yeah, Shrek is pretty good. He's never yeah, seen 8 Mile. Yeah. Bless. I've never seen 8 Mile. We, we gotta, we do, story for we gotta do Shrek and 8 Mile in review. In the <laughs> review series. But also, I want to say about Shrek versus Spider-Man. Only one of these film franchises was released on Game Boy Advance cartridges. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think oh, when you I when you hit Game Boy Advance video cartridges, that's when you know you're the biggest movie around. It's funny you say that, Anthony, because while the box office, while it was only third of that year, it was first in another highest selling video category, and that is it is to this date. The best-selling Sony UMD of all time, yeah, playable only on the PlayStation Portable, and I think they made a standalone device where you can watch it on TV. Uh, but why the fuck would you ever do that? I've watched it so many times. This movie on my PlayStation Portable, you gotta love it. Uh, when I look at a list of top-selling UMDs, the, the list is as follows: Number one, Spider-Man Two, with over a million units sold, and number two. Final Fantasy VII, Advent Children, with 470,000 copies sold. That's where the list ends. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Go ahead, Nick. Big Scarpino. I was told there was not going to be this much video game talk on this movie podcast. <laughs> give us some more movies. Yeah, give us some more of your jokes, Nick. There's a lot of them. In there. I'll, I'll say oh, this boy. really quick. Oh, this, this movie got jokes. I'll say this really, really, really quick. Just, uh, just one thing we move on. The UMD is the coolest looking physical media in the history so cool. of physical media. It's the Which coolest. one they used in Mission Impossible? Is that the UMD? I, don't know. I feel like they probably used the UMD. That sounds kind of right, that they might have used a PlayStation PSP UMD in the Sony movie Mission Impossible. Which, that sounds right. Mission Impossible. Media. Hold on, i got to look at it. Because I, the I Mission Impossible, like, like yeah, a movie that okay, starts remember, off with Limp Bizkit, you know. Remember the one where he's doing the, um, the like, the, the hand? Mission Impossible 1, where he's like, oh, and it's like a CD, but it's not yeah. a CD. But I remember yeah. having one of those little doors. There's no, Mission Impossible 1 came out like, the 90s, oh, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe you're right. No, maybe it, it wasn't. Was it a well. mini-disc? Was it a it Sony mini-disc? Mini it must have been. Oh, so cool. Sony's physical media was so cool, man. Let's do a ranking of that later. Yeah. I mean, the beta, great, great tape format. Died <laughs> very quickly. Well, if 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 I can just start off here with some Spider-Man Two and some and some stuff before we get into the plot. What I like about Spider-Man Two here is this is the best one of these three movies, hands down. But this is where shit is falling apart behind the scenes. <laughs> like that's my favorite thing about this movie is everything is about to go wrong, but we don't see the fallout of that until Spider-Man Three. But, like, I want to run down the list of insane things that happened before, like, on Spider-Man 2. Before we get to that, before yeah, we get to I that. Wanna I want to do, I want to, I want to let you know, because this is insane. 
the uh, the other facts I have for you, the awards, mm-hmm. this film won Best Visual Effects at the 77th mm-hmm. Academy Awards. Yeah, it was also nominated for Best Sound Mixing and Best Sound Design, or Best Sound Editing. And um, I, can I start off with one of the, the facts for you, Anthony? Yeah. And we can go from there. Sure. Tobin Maguire was fired due to reports of him faking a back injury for a larger pay raise for Spider-Man 2. Yep. Jake Gyllenhaal was lined up to play Spider-Man and had already begun preparation, but Maguire decided to take part after all. However, according to the DVD commentary, the My Back joke after Peter falls from the roof, where he was like, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, and then he falls, he's like, my back, my back. Uh, that was purely coincidental. It was mm-hmm. written into the script before Maguire's problem arose. Maguire apologized to the studio execs and got his role back. Gyllenhaal would go on to play Mysterio 15 years later in Spider-Man Far From Home. As I say that, I just want to put this out to everyone. I know that you guys are probably like, you guys were wowed by this last time. Why are you acting like you've never heard it? Because that's how our memories work, okay? We talk about a lot of things and a lot of facts and a lot of movies. I read this today and I'm like, I didn't know that. So there you go. Also, I, was, you go I was not there and Blessing was not there. So that's this true. is fun yeah. stuff that we are sharing for the first time. Very true. Very true. Um, but I will go say something it. that was not in there before Tobey Maguire's back injury is if you look at the front page where it says uh, Spider-Man and Doc Ock rob bank, uh, there's a small there's a small story that's in there where if you freeze frame it says, uh, does chronic back pain lead to brain shrinkage? Oh my wow. god! And that's something that the prop master threw in to make fun of Toby McGuire. Oh my god! <laughs> wow! You're playing. With, you're playing. Did. Don't poke the bear, prop master. Yo, don't poke dude. the bear. Maybe there's the a, there's apparently was like a, a huge lot of Jake that. Jake fan. <laughs> this guy was really thinking. This movie could have been great. <laughs> I um. So yeah, they. So it was because Toby McGuire wanted either twenty five million dollars for this one movie or. Ten percent of the gross, whichever bigger, was higher. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, "No, Toby Maguire." And he was like, "Oh my back!" Did you see oh, the I can't movie Spider-Man too? today? <laughs> like, have you seen yourself cry on screen, bro? You're worth maybe twenty dollars in a box of a bag of Skittles. Yeah, uh, get out of here. This movie was written basically after they went into production. The first thing they shot was the train fight because it was the only thing Sam Raimi knew he wanted in the movie at that point. Mm. Uh, and the movie was originally supposed to have Black Cat and the transformation of the lizard into the lizard. Just like in Friday the that video game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all that stuff was from Spike. Michael Chabon wrote a script and Sony, like, kind of, um, like, as they were shooting, Sony was like, no, man, no, we can't do all this. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. So the, the other things that were in that original script is, like, originally uh, Otto was going to be the same age as Peter, and he was also going to be into MJ, because why not? Just there was everyone, just a lot of Everyone in New York is into MJ. Yeah, everybody's just into MJ. Nobody can explain why. Danny Elfman walked off halfway through. Oh, I thought you were going to say Danny Elfman, also into MJ. <laughs> he, is, he was very into MJ. But he also walked off halfway through because apparently Sam Raimi became, like, a monster on this. He was quoted as saying, to see such a profound negative change in a human being was almost enough to make me feel like I didn't want to make films oh anymore. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. 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 trilogy nearly destroyed Rumor has it, Carbonate, that Raimi's inhibitor chip broke off. That's what it's it was. Just, yeah, exactly. That's what it was. That's what it was. The movie took and over. And Bowtie started talking to him. Because <laughs> 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 just started squeaking at him. He was like, what? Let's get into this. Let's get so everything's, I just want to set that stage in everybody's head is like, 
in the background of this film, everything is falling apart. Nobody wants to make Spider-Man movies anymore. Before go. we get into the plot, let's go around and see what we think about Spider-Man. Oh, no, I, can't oh, I love what Andy is about to do. I want to start with you. I love this movie so much. It is such a good movie. Watching it for probably the fifth time in my life now, I can't believe how much of a step up this is from Spider-Man 1. The CGI for a 2004 movie is surprisingly pretty good, right? And, like, of course, you look at this movie compare and look at the current modern Spider-Man stuff in any modern action movie, and it's incomparable. But for 2004, the CGI in this movie, I think, is... Very fun, and it's awesome to see Doc Ock's, uh, his tentacles, uh, and how good they look. And I know those were uh, uh, puppets, right? Those weren't, like, pure CGI. But the way they look in action, I think those work so well. The the amount of action we get in this movie, you know, we mentioned the train scene earlier. That scene still holds up so well as both a really good action set piece, but then also the emotional moment of, you know, the end of that train scene and then carrying Spider-Man and doing all that stuff. I think that stuff holds up so well, uh, except for uh, Peter Parker's facial expressions during that part of the movie, which to me were so ridiculous and so over the top and so funny. But, you know, remo- a, give me an impression, Bless. You got to do it. Yeah, you got to do it. I don't think I can. Give us your Because I'm going to smile because it's like. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's along those lines. And it's, it's so ridiculous and so fun. But, uh, yeah, dude, like the way, the, the way that. I think this movie picks up from Spider-Man 1 and helps, I guess, evolve the characters and explores the characters in a little bit more interesting ways. Again, like, none of it is perfect and none of it is as, I, I say, immaculate as what we've gotten since. But I think for what we think of as iconically Spider-Man and that era of Spider-Man, I think this is Sam Raimi's trilogy at his best. And I, and I despite the behind-the-scenes uh, bullshit that was happening, I think... This is the movie that made me really happy that Sam Raimi was the one who got to direct these movies because this movie has such a specific personality and tone and all the horror elements that that, um, are typically Sam Raimi that come into play in this movie, I think, really helped to make this movie stand out, right? Like, the uh, the way that characters react to seeing, like, a Doc Ock, the way the, um, like, when Doc Ock grabs Peter with the tentacles and, like, how dramatic everything is. I think there's there's something really cool and really awesome about the uh, energy that that evokes and the, 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 the cinematic tone that this movie uh, owns and has. I don't know. I really love it, and going back to it, I really enjoyed my time uh, with this movie. Beyond it being a iconic, like this is memorable, I think it is a genuinely really, really good Spider-Man movie. Andy Cortez. This movie better think it's Lucky Stars. It's got Alfred Molina in it, and the action sequences that there are. Um, I think this movie has a lot higher highs and a lot lower lows than Part One. Um, I think that now looking back at them, Spider-Man 1, in my opinion, ages a bit better in terms of just the writing being kind of across the board decent. Where in here it's like, we're going to give you some good ones. And also any scene with James Franco, please ignore anything there because there's no there's no uh, consistency at all with what that dude is feeling right now. There, and, and also a lot of it doesn't make sense. Um, I always think about when we watch the, the Nolan movies, whenever we did Chris or Nolan review, and there is inevitably the Nolan sequence that makes no sense rationally or time-wise, but it adds to the, the bigger world. And, like, it, like, who cares? We'll ignore that part because everything else is so fucking awesome. James Franco's just thoughts and motivations and writing and dialogue – 
is so bad in every sequence he's in. I don't understand what their thought process was putting him in the movie. Um, and the and he just seems like he forced his way into being in this movie. And I, I, it really fucking detracts from a lot of other really awesome sequences. The, uh, the, the climbing the tower scene with Doc Ock is just so iconic on top of the train sequence. Uh, yeah, a lot of really series of moments, as Blessing would say, but a lot of also really bad shit, like really, really awful shit in this movie that I think we tend to ignore because the other stuff is pretty good. You got to give Franco a little bit of leeway, though. He was getting like four degrees at the, at the time. He was getting four degrees and texting six 16-year-old women. Oh, wow. You're so right. You're so right. That was awesome. Yeah, he was juggling a lot. Anthony Carboni, what do you think? Uh, this is definitely the best of the three. I, I, def- I do agree with you, Andy, where when they miss the mark in this one, they, they miss big. Like, they take bigger swings in this movie, and so they the misses are, are, are bigger, but... And more obvious. <laughs> yeah, this movie, number one, this movie got jokes which the first movie did not have as much of. Uh, they are mostly at Peter's expense, as opposed to Peter being the quippy Spider-Man that we want him to be still. But, but the uh, just like the hilarious sad sack Peter Parker stuff that you really want to see comes much more into focus in this one. Um, and I also think like a lot of just the... Something that's missing from all of the movies after the Raimi movies is like... Man, it sucks to be Spider-Man, and I don't want to be Spider-Man. And that's like like half the time I don't want to be Spider-Man, and I don't want to be here. And this movie is the movie that gives us that, and I think that's such a core Spider-Man thing that I'm so excited that they maybe overhammered it a little bit in this movie, but I'm glad that it's here. And, of course, motherfucking Alfred Molina. If you're going to reuse all your themes for your villain from the first movie over again, do it with Alfred Molina <laughs> and, some, and some fucking cool puppets. You know yeah, what I mean? It, yeah. Oh yeah. Nick Sarpino. Um, yeah, I like this movie. I think it. I, I, I think it's it's always fun to come back to because I'm always kind of struck by how fun the action sequences are. I love that moment where, like the the you know the clock arm, uh, the arm of the clock kind of goes down and Peter grabs it and just throws it right back at him and then he catches it, breaks it apart and throws it back at him. Um, I'll never forget when I was sitting in the theaters, that moment where it goes silent and they're fighting as they're falling down the side of the building and kind of tumbling and, like, they're both able to sort of hang on to moments of it. Stuff like that was super creative to me. Again, Alfred Molina, like you guys have talked about, I can't, I can't echo that enough. He, is, he fills the show in this, in my opinion. Um, not the least of which because you really like him at the very beginning of it. Um, and I love the chemistry he has with his wife, Rosie. I think the actress does a great job, too. And you get this, like, little moment where Peter's like, oh, maybe he's got another father figure here. Um, but 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 unfortunately, these movies, they just never quite strike the tone. Like, I remember watching these in theaters, and every every single time now, obviously, as we've seen better examples of comic book movies, they never – they just never hit at 100% where they need to be. Um, and there's always something silly or, or, something, or something just bad or something that seems really, even for the time, outdated that's happening – where you just keep asking yourself shit like, Peter, can't you just have some level of a work-life balance? Like, hey, Peter, why don't you move back in with your aunt? You can't afford anything. Hey, Peter, there's lots of different things you could be doing right now to make money than, you know, it's just all sorts of silly questions. But the movie is entertaining, and I think Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man kind of holds up in it. Um, and I remember leaving theaters in this movie thinking, oh, I'd watch a third one of these for sure if they made one. And boy, was I wrong. I uh, monkey's paw. 
to shout out to Alfred Molina and something that uh, Anthony has brought up in terms of the jokes, right? Like, the thing I love about when they introduce Doc Ock's character is the joke he cracks where he is like, hey, did anybody here lose a uh, uh, a pocket of, like, $20 bills wrapped in right. a rubber band? Because we found the rubber band. I think that is such a good way to establish his character as, like, oh, this guy's cool. Like, this guy has jokes. He's funny. He's the and cool so substitute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So shout out to that. And then also shout out to uh, Anthony mentioned the jokes at Peter Parker's expense. One of the ones that I, I, I like a lot, and it's not even a joke. It's just a moment in, in um, the movie uh, is when he's doing laundry and he takes out the Spider-Man suit, which – it's very risky to be doing in public like that, bro. Yeah. Like, you yeah. might want to, I don't know, put that in, like, a bag and then wash it or something. Maybe not have it out there. Like a garment bag. Like a yeah. Yeah. Bag. yeah. But all of his other clothes being stained, like blue and red, and, like, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man or Peter Parker just being this miserable Peter Parker yeah. is one that, I don't know, I really like that interpretation of Peter Parker. I also, I love all the, I guess, on-screen interpretations for the most part. I think we'll get to Amazing Spider-Man when we get to it, because that's the, that's the one where I'm like, nah, you're too cool. But in terms of the nerdy or kitty or, like, in this case, the miserable Peter, Par- Peter Parker, uh, you know, I think this movie does a good job in terms of balancing the humor and making it feel... N- Making it not feel like how we felt during the first movie, where it's like, nah, man, you're just weird and creepy and awkward. Yeah. In this movie, there are plenty of times where I was like, oh, shit, like, Tony McGuire looks great. Like, he actually, his fit body actually fits his face this time around, as opposed to Inspiring 1, where I was like, did they Photoshop that? Because that looks off. There was definitely some, he's still a little weird, but yeah. Still a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> Did we all laugh at the moment where he fights mops for 25 minutes? Yeah, yes. We'll, we'll Emily get there. Actually, we'll yes, we'll get there. We'll jump into that, man. Hold on. Hold on. I want to give my thoughts. I want to give my thoughts. Yeah. Part, did we laugh at the part where he just can't get an hors d'oeuvre to save his life? Yes. Did we laugh at the part where people just hit him in the fucking head yes. and he's on the sidewalk? <laughs> all those are so heavy-handed. Guys. Tim, what do you think? Heavy. I, I think that this is easily one of the best sequels of all time in terms of improving on the first movie. Um, I think it's a fantastic take on 1960s Spider-Man, and I just don't like 1960s Spider-Man, and that's what it comes down to. That's where so much of my opinion of this movie comes from. This is obviously a classic. I obviously I enjoyed the hell out of my time watching this. I will watch this movie for the rest of my life and still enjoy it, but it is not what I think of when I think of good Spider-Man movies or stories, and a lot of that has to do with kind of what uh, Andy was alluding to with his, the highs and lows. I feel like any time this movie has a great high, which it has so many of them, whether it's the subway train scene of like his sacrifice essentially and uh the the train fight and so many moments always have something happening that's like oh man that scene would have been great if we didn't have that guy in it or didn't have that line of dialogue or if you took it a little more seriously or a little less seriously like the whole kind of pivotal moment of aunt may like performing this poem to Peter about right. what a hero needs to be. It comes so out of nowhere. It's and so it's like, it, it feels so, this is a movie. I'm so taken out of yeah. this because we need him to have this moment. And like, the moments happen in this movie, but for them to earn it, they only earn it by basically setting it up and then paying it off without actual build. It's just kind of like, well, you got to do this to get to that XYZ we have this movie. Yeah. And it's like, that. It, it ends up being a very, very, very more than competent film. I would say that this is a good movie. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think that it is a great Spider-Man movie. I think it's a good Spider-Man movie, but it does so many things and has so many ideas that are just antithetical from what I like most about Spider-Man. And they just go too hard into some things I do like to kind of take it down a notch. Uh, yeah. But like you guys said, 
Alfred Molina is fantastic. Uh, I love him. I love how sympathetic he is. I love that from the first time we see him on camera, we're like, I'm in. I believe in you. I believe in your family. I believe in your relationship with Peter. Um, and then uh, J. Jonah Jameson, still 100% 10 out of 10. Killing the game. Every single scene he's in. Uh, at the wedding when he calls and he's just like, like hey, uh, let's cancel the caviar. It's like, call that is so fucking funny. And Deborah, the movie, great name. Never. So perfect. So perfect for the writer there. Uh, but the movie ending with the go get him tiger and Spider-Man going out and like we see her looking kind of sad as the final shot. Like I remember leaving this movie and being like, holy shit, what is the third movie going to be? This movie does such a good job of building on what the first movie had, adding more Kurt Connors, adding more like other characters that could potentially turn into something in the future, more name drops, more just kind of world building and like where the relationships are between the different characters. We obviously know they don't go anywhere with that, but that's not this movie's fault. This movie mm-hmm. built that stuff very well, and I think that that, that is a, a major, major props to this because it wasn't a post-credit scene teeing up a, a sequel. It was stuff embedded in the movie that's teeing up the, the future and making the world feel bit, a lot bigger. Um, so for all that, it's like, yes, this is a good movie, but I still don't think that I'm wrong about where I'm at with this Spider-Man <laughs> 2. Andy Cortez. I also just quickly want to say that I don't think that MJ's writing is worse in this movie, but it's close at a lot of it's not at, better. Like it, it it's not is better. Oof, there's a it's lot better. her again, I just don't know what the thinking was behind a lot of the the writing and them being on screen with like James Franco and her being on screen. What was the thought process there? I'd love to like hear the reasoning for what those lines were and it's mm-hmm. just it's baffling at times when when they're on I screen. I don't think they had one. <laughs> I also just don't I've never I've just never thought they nailed the chemistry between Tobey Maguire and, and Kristen Dunst's character no. in these. They just, Not really, no. every line of dialogue they say is such a stretch. Where she's like, you've always been my best friend. And I'm like, have you? Have we when? ever seen them hang? In what, like, you can't just say you've always been my best friend. You have to show people scenes where these people are connecting. And there's no moment in this movie where Tobey Maguire is anything but a weird kind of slog in her life that just keeps turning up. And she's like, dude, I'm moving all over. I'm marrying a fucking astronaut, for Christ's sake. Get yeah. over yourself, Peter Parker. But then First she's like, to play football always, on the moon. You've always been standing in my door. I've always been standing in your I was like, when? In high school, you barely noticed this guy was alive? Yeah. It's, it's so sucks. weird. It's are you thinking of Joe Manganiello? No. MJ, what? are you thinking of Joe oh, Manganiello? Yeah, because you're right, like it doesn't fit between them, but I love the writing of the movie and the theme and tone of their mm-hmm. relationship, not the dialogue of the relationship, but the him saying the way she looks at you doesn't look at you, however you want to look at it. I love that, and I just mm-hmm. wish that their chemistry could back up that type of feeling and that type of story. Letting, that's the thing, like, go ahead, Amy. I was just going to say, yeah, they're trying to let the – um. You know, like the Aunt May has a line in here where she talks about how it's been two years since Ben died. And I think they're really trying to let that two years of space in between uh, do a lot of heavy lifting for some of the plot stuff that they didn't get right in the first one. Yeah. I think they want us to think that, like, over the last two years, Peter and MJ and Harry have become closer or something like that. You know what I mean? But But they want that negative space. But I mean, to fill it I, in, I and they totally want the negative. Agree. No, and I want that, and they also, as filmmakers, want the negative space between 2001 and 2004, sort of make that first movie a little fuzzier in your mind. Yeah, you forget about it a bit, so they can get away with say, with MJ saying that they just 
it wasn't fuzzy enough. We still it, remember. It comes right, back to, it, in the original movie, I mentioned that they want them to be Cory and Topanga, and this movie felt like they still wanted them to be Cory and Topanga, and yeah. at no point did they establish that. But I didn't. I never watched Boy Meets World, but I'm pretty sure at no point did Topanga call Cory an empty seat. She goes, and I quote, I she am tired of you being an empty seat in my life, meaning the last two years you just haven't been there. They don't, they, sh- they in no way, shape, or form would anything that the writers put on paper ever lead me to believe that these two characters were close. It's time for the plot. Before that, though, let me tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Me Undies. Are you ready for mashed potato season, a.k.a. turkey with gravy and cranberry sauce season, a.k.a. every kind of pie and more season? Well, Me Undies is here with the softest and stretchiest Sundays in the game, so you can be ready for seconds and thirds, baby. I love Me Undies. I have for a very long time, even right now. Of course, I'm wearing my lounge pants, the undies themselves, and the socks. I love having that soft micromodal fabric all over my body. They have undies and loungewear made out of soft, breathable, stretchy fabrics that are perfect for everything from pre-dinner activities to post-dinner naps. Uh, Me Undies also has a great deal for you guys. Uh, For any first-time purchasers, you can get 15% off and free shipping. Me Undies also has a promise. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason you can return your order for a full refund within 45 days to get 15% off your first order free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee go to meundies.com slash morning that's meundies.com slash morning and next up shout out to trade are you the kind of person who falls asleep already thinking about the next morning's coffee well Trade's goal is to make every cup of coffee your best ever. The journey to your perfect cup starts with taking your coffee quiz. You use a French press, automatic drip, you're a cold brew person, no problem. Trade will match you to coffees you'll love from 400 plus craft coffees and will send you a freshly roasted bag as often as you'd like. Trade guarantees you'll love your first match. On the off chance that you don't know, they'll replace it with a different bag for free. Me and Cooler had a lot of fun going through the quiz, trying to find him his perfect coffee, and he has been having a great time with Trade. Uh, for you guys out there right now, Trade is offering your first bag free and $5 off your bundle at checkout. To get yours, just go to to drinktrade.com slash kindoffunny and use promo code kindoffunny. Take the quiz to start your journey to the perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com slash kindoffunny, promo code kindoffunny for your first bag free and $5 off of your bundle. That's D-R-I-N-K-T-R-A-D-E dot com slash Kind of funny. And next up, shout out to Uncommon Goods. If you're on a mission to be the best gift giver ever this season, it's never too early to start looking, no matter who you're shopping for. Uncommon Goods is the place to find remarkable and truly original gifts for anyone. Me and Gia actually recently just did a puzzle that we got from them. That was a lot of fun, just for some like bonding date night time. And there's actually a bunch of really cool date night options there. Uh, there was one thing that I was looking at that is a date night painting where you get this, uh, you get the package and you actually get a 90 minute uh, session with an instructor, you guys get to paint together. It's a whole thing. It sounds like a blast. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade. They have the most meaningful, out of the ordinary gifts anywhere. And with every purchase you make, Uncommon Goods gives one dollar back to a nonprofit partner of your choice. That's awesome. To get fifteen percent off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com/kindoffunny. That's uncommongoods.com/kindoffunny for fifteen percent off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommongoods.com slash kinda funny. Now it's plot time. This is gonna be really hard now that I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god. It's time for the plot. No, fuck. 
It's time for the plot. It's time for the plot. Tim says that it is time for the plot. All right, there you go. It was more of a visual joke audio listeners and yeah. podcast listeners. So that was good. It was Thank very, you. very good. That's um, my favorite character in the film. <laughs> oh, mine too. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you thought you were getting out of this review uh, in under three hours, you're fucking crazy. Let's kick it off. Spider-Man 2, starting with the dopest credit sequence ever laid to celluloid, courtesy of, if I'm not mistaken, Tim, Alex Ross, who uh, drew, all, drew all of the... Uh, the actual artwork in this super cool and man i'm like i'm watching this i'm like fuck yeah they're gonna nail spider-man from here on out what i needed was an artistic rendering of nick doing the uncle ben impression that's what i really needed can somebody watercolor nick doing his uncle ben please Uh, what you actually got, Andy, was that Alex Ross nailed Tomo Bogara's weird, confused face when he was mm. dropping off Harry's completely naked body at his home for his <laughs> child to look at. He was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wait, hold it right there, Toby. Let me nail yeah. this fucking vacant It's the economy the of line. It's Alex Ross's economy of line that really captured that moment, I think. <laughs> oh, that God. was, uh, this, this was their make good, by the way, because before they brought on James Acheson, they had Alex Ross do a bunch of, like, concept art for the first movie for uh, costumes, and they never used it. Yeah. And he was kind of a little sore about that. So they were like, come on back and paint the whole movie. We'll, we'll give you the cool. dopest intro ever. And he's like, yeah. cool. thank you. Cool. Show me cool. some respect. Cool. Give me that score. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, we open on a billboard of MJ, and we're like, oh, MJ's career is doing pretty well. And then we hear some more banger of a VO from one Toby McGuire. He says, she loves me every day, Mary Jane Watson. Oh, boy, if she ever knew how oh, I felt about her. Oh, boy. <laughs> but she can never know. I made a choice once to live a life of responsibility, a life she can never be a part of. Who am I? I'm Spider-Man, given a job to do. And I'm Peter Parker, and I also have a job to do as Peter Parker. And part of me is like this. That's great for the first draft. Let's just cut it down to one line. A lot of these things. We're going to get to Aunt May's soliloquy. That's like a Shakespearean fucking play at the end of this. I'm like, Aunt May, I get it. And then it goes dark. I'm like, oh, wow, that's what you're going to do Aunt May. So much of this is, is what you get when you're, when you're still working drafts of the script as you start shooting. You know? Who am like I? A, I'm Spider-Man given a job to do. And I'm Peter Parker. And I, too, have a job. My job, Spider-Man's job. Two Spider-Man. different jobs. Yeah. We're also Spider-Man two different people. Do my job. We're the same. Don't get it And we're the same guy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Peter is late for his job at Joe's Pizza, where he's a delivery guy. Let me tell you right now, we, we talk, I'm pretty sure we talked about this in the last one, but guys, if you're going to start a pizza delivery service, for the love of God, don't do one hour or less or whatever, 30 minutes or less or whatever. No one in New York does that. Bad idea. They would never have done that. Anyway, That's such a not New York thing. Uh, it was a thing in the 80s in Riverside, California for a hot second, and people were like, this is a terrible business model. We're yeah. losing money hand over foot. By the way, if you, call, uh, if you call the number on Peter's uh, helmet, you actually get Joseph Bleecker Street, and awesome. they actually love it. I don't know if that's still true, but you used to actually get the real pizza place. That's really cool. That's awesome. That's but, really and also, what a weird thing for Asif Manvi to do to Peter in front of a, the public to give him an ultimatum and say, you have seven minutes to go this many blocks or else you're fucking fired. What? What? Are, what? Like, that's it's not a... It's uh, like, it's you gotta, un, you gotta understand he's on a bike and that is not a realistic thing to ask of this person. Like, that's a dangerous yeah, thing, dude. Setting him up for failure, for sure. But he's like, Peter, you're a nice guy, but you're just not dependable. And that's gonna be the theme of the movie here. How can Peter become dependable? At first, Peter tries to do it the hard way and then he wisens up and he's like, oh, fuck, I forgot, I'm Spider-Man. So he takes off, but some stupid kids who don't know how to play with a ball get in the way. Spider-Man has to save their dumbasses, causing his pizza to go on some random fucking creepy dude's balcony and the guy's like oh 
That pizza. dude? I'll help myself. Pizza. That dude is Scott Spiegel, the co-writer of Evil Dead 2. Oh, uh, mm. And a lot of the things that like right. that, like you were talking about where it's like some people don't know how to say their lines or what are they doing there. This is Sam Raimi putting every single one of his friends into Spider-Man. And a lot of that is a lot of those weird roles that we don't understand in this movie. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, Spider-Man grabs the pizza from him. And I like that little part where he's like including the last slice. I'm like, how do you get the web off the slice? Does he yeah. come off the web? Can you just get the web off the slice? There's no way. way. There's no way. The comes out of him. There's, yeah, exactly. Out of his body. There's no That's, way it stayed intact on the flight back to his hand. I, blessing. I didn't even think about that. That is yeah, organic like, web. Head. It's a bodily it's fluid. Web. <laughs> and like, of course, no. like, just putting it back into the box with his hands. Like, yeah. that alone, like, removed from the web, that is disgusting. I don't want my yeah. pizza man yeah. touching mm-hmm. my pizza. I especially don't want the inside of my pizza man touching my pizza. <laughs> <laughs> That's gross. I want a shot of Emily Deschanel opening up those pizza boxes and all the pizzas just torn <laughs> apart and like, just like folded over each other and stuff and just like, what is this? Like, they show that one of them is squished. She just goes like that in the butt, but it's just like, ugh. She just opens it up and she's like, God, I hope that's cheese. <laughs> God. I do love the, oh, the random, the, the cameo of just the dude just being like, hey, you stole that guy's pizza. God, <laughs> I, know. I love it right? so much. I really <laughs> thought. It's funny, but this movie's got jokes. I actually like that line. That guy's like, Spider-Man stole pizza. I'm like, yes. Yeah. I was really yeah. hoping we got a reprieve of Spider-Man Girl from part one hey look it's spider-man like i wish we really got her again no andy we get something way better in this movie and i'm just going to throw this out there as we lay it out uh, as we continue through the plot of this movie we get the same doc vicky vale scream throughout this entire film and i kid you not it's the same screen used over and over again for about maybe 20 times yeah but before we get to that we do get this great, wonderful gag. That's Anthony Carboni's favorite of uh, Peter Parker fighting with a bunch of brooms while Do- uh, Zoe Deschanel's sister, Emily Deschanel, just sits there. Is and, she like, bones this guy or does she it. know bones she or bones. is it just that she has bones in her body? Bones, man. I don't I love watch bones. Bones. Watch bones for a solid three seasons before I was Are like, you somebody's mom? Why do you watch bones? I... How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, I can't defend it. I fucking love bones. What do you want from me? I was a big Angel fan back in the day. Whatever. Uh, let's see. Mr. Aziz fires Peter for sucking and then rips off his sticker. And I'm like, God, it's hard. Uh, and then Jameson fires Peter, too, because he stopped taking pictures of Spider-Man because Jameson turned the whole city against him. Uh, and he was using those pictures as propaganda. Uh, and so this is where I go like this. I'm sorry. You're in New York, right? Is there not the New York Times? Can you not just shop your work around? Kids, listen. When you're at a job you don't like necessarily and people are mistreating you, it's always a good idea to have a value of where you're at, an idea of your value in the marketplace. Go over yeah. to New York Times. Like, I got this awesome picture of me clearly flying like Superman next to Spider-Man. Do you want this picture? To which any investigative journalism, again, would go, you're Spider-Man. I understand who you are. Literally everyone in the, like, a nine-year-old Henry Johnson, who's helping Aunt May move, yeah. knows that Peter is Spider-Man's official photographer. Mm-hmm. There's not a bidding war? Yeah. He's not getting more messages dollars. at Uncle D- Uncle Dickovich's house how or whatever? Is the, how is the press not constantly waiting outside of his house when he leaves? Yeah. He's like, where's Spider-Man? But no questions, no questions. You know who Spider-Man is, right? And someone doesn't put two and two together. I digress. It's a movie. We'll move on. Peter's late for Dr. Connor's class. Uh, and the doctor tells me, like, listen, man, you're, you're in trouble. I just, we just, we do want to call out, though, Elizabeth Banks, Betty Brandt. It was there. Move on. <laughs> Fair enough. Should have uh, been more. She's like, she's like, Peter, sorry, can't pay you for, this is not, I paid you that advance last week. This one not even cover anything. Yeah, what am I going to do? 
Uh, Connors tells me, listen, you're in trouble. You're in danger of failing out of college. You better. And he's like, well, I'm writing this great paper about Dr. Oct- Otto Octavius. And he's like, cool, I know him. I'll hook you up. Tim, kind of funny. Was was this the, the scene where he trips and falls with his books and then everybody fucking walks yeah, over him? They yeah. beat the shit out of him. They literally beat him in the head. And they're like, we don't like you, Peter Parker. You fucking suck, Peter Parker. I love it's, it. It's, it's the heightened shit that I'm just like, this movie doesn't need that. It doesn't. It's better it's than Spider-Man 1. It's I better. It. So when this stuff happens, it's weird. It's very it's very Army of Darkness, Evil Dead. And yeah. it's one of those things where it's like we could have toned a lot of that down. Uh, like the, I do the want to yeah. part where he can't get in their door. I'm like, that's a cute character thing where he's just a little too late to gra- to get the op- thing that he wants. But this shit is like, fuck you. If someone hit me in the, that hard with book, I'd be like, we're going. We're throwing hands at each other out there. Yeah. I do want to say that this scene, just like when I when Dylan Baker came on screen as Dr. Connors, and I just kind of looked at his face and his mannerisms and everything, I was just like, damn, we were robbed. I would have robbed. loved to have seen Dylan Baker as, as the lizard. That would have been really interesting. What movie do I remember him in where he bleeds from the gums? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That could be any movie where somebody bleeds from the gums. No, I'm thinking about it. There's a specific movie where I remember someone try, like, they're, like, poisoning him. It's a comedy. Gum bleeder. And he has to, and he's, like, bleeding from the gums. And I'm like, that's very weird. Might have been gum bleeder, too. Yeah. driving it. And he, he looked that up for me while I can continue on with the plot. Anyway, Peter thing. comes home to a surprise party with MJ, Aunt May, and Harry. Harry uh, is, like, it tells him that his company is working with Doc Ock. Delirious. That's what it was. Delirious is John Candy. That's right. Uh, y'all thought I was crazy, and now that you know it's real, you think I'm crazy. All, all I no, Googled was Dylan Baker gums bleed. <laughs> Delirious popped up number one. There it is. Uh, he says, listen, we're working with Doc Ock, and then tells Peter that MJ, he's like, MJ's into you, man. And he's like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then he gets real cold all of a sudden. He's like, how's your, boy, how's your man Spider-Man doing? I really want his real identity. Fucking he's like, Harry, let's not talk about this. Now, here's the thing. I said this last time, and I hammered this home. Anthony, you and I are friends. Mm. I miss you. I'd like to spend more time with you. But Thanks. if I thought that you were friends with the person that killed my dad, I would stop being friends with you. I don't yeah. care how much we grew up. I'd be like, dude. You need to fucking tell me who this guy is. We need to go to the costume, or else we just can't be friends. There's no the fact that being Harry friends. is still showing up, right? Like Harry didn't kick Peter out of the apartment. Peter decided to leave the apartment, right? Um, he wanted he wanted to stand on his own two feet. Like Harry is still coming around, and it's like, hey man, I bought you this ice cream cake from Carvel. It's Fudgy the Whale. I got you a Fudgy the Whale for your birthday. Will you tell me who murdered my dad? It is. It is. <laughs> I, I, I have such a problem. This is where it starts with Franco because this is. Like, I got. A, I got a personal grudge against this motherfucker. Because this is like this is where the bad writing really begins. Where it's first off in any realistic world, Harry is not going to that party. In any realistic world. You're super. You, you ended on bad terms. You hate him because you think he stole MJ from you. Why would you answer Aunt May's call or whatever, saying that you're going to go to a party? Like you hate this guy. You think he's keeping a secret about who killed your father? It's just so. All of this is so it's incredibly improbable. Yeah. I think it would have been totally like, fine to have him just be an antagonist in this movie. And then the first time we see him is at this presentation where he's like, Peter, what the fuck are you doing here? And have them have that antagonistic yeah. thing. It's, but instead, they put Franco in this horrible position where they're like, you have to ping pong back and forth between being this dude's best friend 
And this sinister fucking corporate type. Sorry, Andy, I interrupted you. It, it, it's all just a vehicle to make it worth him getting really, really mad, and that's all it's building towards. But it's done so... It's, it's done, done so poorly. It's, it's done as if this movie takes place a month after the first movie, where this movie actually takes place two years after, and it, it, it does feel awkward in the implementation, and it feels very early superhero film, like pre-MCU superhero film, where they are like, we want to set a thing up for the third movie. How do we do it? Like, how do we turn yeah. Harry Osborn into the villain? And I like it in concept, but, yeah, in actual ex- execution, it just makes his character worse because the whole movie, he's just this miserable dude who it, you don't understand why he's friends with Peter Parker. In fact, you don't get the sense at all that he's friends with Peter Parker. No. Okay, it feels like anybody else who worked on the movie did not work on Franco's dialogue. Like, it's, yeah. just, it's so off from everything else. Maybe but that even was even Franco, like, but this is the thing. We've seen Frank, like, Franco can do better. And this is what I'm talking like I get the feeling that some of this some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes and some of this stress and some of this like we don't know if we want to be here anymore I really it really feels to me like Franco checked out a bit and wasn't wasn't given a lot of effort cuz there's he doesn't need to go from like if he, yeah, it's cool to be here. By the way, if you don't tell me who, like, he doesn't need to play it that way. That's no. so bad. You know no, what I mean? Like, terrible. there's a lot of awkward stuff that's that's going on, and I think it's just the rushed nature of this whole thing in the background is not helping. Like, he peed like, the way his suit fits him. I'm going to say it. Wow. I'm going to say it. And yeah, if you're like so rich, months, get a tailor, Franco. <laughs> it just, it just, you're depressed. You're not getting a tailor if you're depressed. It just really ping-pongs from, Hey, happy birthday, Pete. Yo, why have you been ignoring my calls for the last couple of times? Like, I've been calling you, man. And then it immediately goes to, she likes you, man. She keeps looking at you. Like, what are you doing here, man? Are you trying to go for, is, is the goal now a threesome, Harry Osborne? I don't understand. You're so this is weird. your ex-girlfriend. I'll say this, though, about James Franco in this movie. Yeah. Great hair. Great uh, hair. Later that night, oh, God, Peter sees a bunch of unpaid bills and things. Maybe I should go into tech instead of being a superhero. Or, uh, I don't know, maybe just be more responsible, save people on my off hours. I don't know. Work-life balance. Again, Aunt May gives Peter a 20 spot. Peter's like, listen, I can't take this 20. She goes, no, 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 you need it more than I do. And he goes, no, 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 Aunt May, you have no idea how far $20 goes in New York. That's not even going to give me a cold slice of pie from Joe's Pizza. Aunt uh, May, uh, Rosemary Harris does kind of bring it with the breakdown. Of handing the twenty dollar bill, like it's a, oh, everything yeah, she does is a little melodramatic, but I did very melodramatic. I did like that. I did like that scene. The one question that was in my head is like, what were the terms of the mortgage on the Parker house? Because Aunt May is eighty. Yeah. Like, what'd you get a seventy five year fixed mortgage? <laughs> you got a well, bad deal, Aunt May. <laughs> you have to imagine at some point they remortgaged the house to pay for Uncle Ben's something or other. And yeah, for sure. Got into bad, right? This is bad news bears. But also, like, maybe have a renter. You got a couple extra rooms, right? Get a couple mm-hmm. renters in there. Like, maybe your deadbeat fucking nephew who's living the big life at his weird, horrible studio apartment next yeah. to Doctor Mister Dickovich and his whole family. Three hundred dollars we'll a picture is not going to pay for your apartment in Midtown, Pete, but it could probably go a, a large way towards Aunt May's mortgage. Yeah, you okay. know, Aunt May's mortgage probably maybe two grand a month, three hundred bucks. Yeah. That's a pretty big chunk of it, buddy. Every week. Well, I, just, on, I can't believe we went three hours last week talking about Spider-Man, and we talked about so many age differences and stuff. And to my recollection, we didn't talk about how ridiculous it is. I love them. I love them to death. The casting of Aunt May and Uncle Ben looks great, but why is she the oldest human being? I've ever seen <laughs> that, yeah. is, that is the aunt to a 18-year-old in that yeah, movie. I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't wasn't know. it it's wasn't crazy. it in the comics like the original reason that Aunt May was so old is like she's actually like great aunt or great something aunt. like that. That, that makes more sense. Makes but sense. like when we got around to Marissa Tomei, you were like, oh yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah, that's like, correct. That that is age uh, correct. Same for age as a mom. Kid who's fifteen? Yeah, mom yeah. age, older, slightly younger, doesn't matter. Anyway, Aunt May it, it uh, weird, pulls Peter aside and says, "Listen, I I gotta be honest with you. I think about that dude that killed Uncle Ben. I really want to just fucking murder that guy." And Peter's like. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I already took care of it. Yeah. <laughs> I can kill that guy, right? Murder. Uh, MJ waits around for Peter. She's like, I like seeing you tonight, Peter. And Peter responds, oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> it needs to be odd. A girl talks to me. Um, and then he's like, one, uh, of the, one of the problems that I have. Peter Parker, y'all love. I'm just yeah. putting it out there. One of the problems that I have. Y'all, not y'all. <laughs> yeah. One of the problems that I have with this movie is uh, is how many scenes are directly mirrored from the first one and I understand that they're trying to set up plot parallels but there's there are so many themes and so many scenes that are directly mirrored and uh this was one of them I felt like I was watching the same scene again without much change from the first film well she's even doing that same MJ thing where she's like do you like me? Do you like me? Yeah. I hate I Will hate it. you say it? Carboni, I fucking hate her performance here because she, as I'm watching it, I go, in the back of my mind, if I knew nothing about, if this was like my first, you know, movie watching and, and being um, sort of shown Spider-Man, I'd be like, is she really a villain that's trying to get him to kiss her because she has poison on her lips like poison ivy? Why right. is she like, well, what do you think, Peter? And, like, oh, is she really going to try to fuck him over? It's so poorly, like, directed, and she's just not – I don't know. Everything they with do, MJ is not good. They do MJ dirty. They do I, MJ dirty in this trilogy because everything she is is like, will you say you love me? Because if you don't, immediately in the next scene, I'm going to have another boyfriend. <laughs> It, and then, the and then once I have that other boyfriend, I will still ask you if you love me, and if not, maybe a third boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's, but I mean, I don't. Again, let's, let's make a distinction. I do not blame Kirsten Dunst for no. I don't think it no. was her performance. No I think it was just the terrible, terrible plotting of the writing of the characters that that did this. Because at a certain point. When these two characters keep going, will they, won't they, back and forth like this, and they keep kind of screwing over each other and other people in their lives because of each other, I kind of don't like the characters. It's very toxic. Point. Their relationship is, is very point, toxic. So, I don't think you two should be together. You have to figure your fucking lives out. Uh, maybe just go on and, like, be Spider-Man for a couple of years and get over it, man. Yeah, she crazy. wasn't so naturally charming. I think Kristen Dunst is just so naturally charming. This wouldn't have... This would have never played. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm no longer rooting for this. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, MJ tells him that she's seeing someone now, and Peter tells her he's coming to her. He's like, look, I'm going to come to your play tomorrow. She's like, I just fucking told you I'm dating someone. That is <laughs> me. That he is literally plays football on the moon, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> yeah, dude. Anyway, she says, don't disappoint me again, Peter. It's one of those things where I'm like, dude, I would just be like, Peter, we're done. Stay away. Anyway, Peter tries to sneak past the landlord, Mr. Dickovich. Named after name. uh, Steve Ditko. Mm. Oh, oh, I thought it was just because this guy was a dick. Uh, but the man has ears like a cat and eyes like a rodent. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this, this guy's awesome. This, this guy's awesome. His daughter's awesome. Like these, these are. Uh, I need this. It is fucking weird. I like him though. I like him. Out of like Harry Potter or some shit. The yeah. character is is uh, it's so. All weird. of a sudden, Harry Potter. Like all of a sudden, Peter Parker lives in like the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like he leaves Aunt May's house in like 1992. <laughs> 
And then he gets to his house, and it's 1937 in, in England. And they're just rebuilding from the fucking Blitzkrieg, you know? <laughs> like Super weird. Um, the, I, 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 it, it's one of those things where it always kind of, like, weirds me out that this, this daughter, the, his daughter character is in this. And he's, like, clearly got a crush on Peter. And they never even – they never really flesh that out. They never really kind of, like – I don't know what her purpose is. Yeah, I don't know she, comes back in, she comes back in three just to be just to be treated like a like a like a like a scum. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's so it's strange. It's very uh, strange. As a, as a, as an Eastern European, uh, as somebody of Eastern European descent, I'm really trying to figure out where the Ditkovichs are from. <laughs> the Ditkovichs. <laughs> sometimes they speak Russian, but they don't speak Russian like they're Russian, and their accents are very funny. And I just want to know where the Ditkoviches are actually from and what their story is. Carboni, back yeah. in 2000, whenever this movie came out, yeah. we just lumped Before it we all knew together. About Europe. It was Russian, yeah. right? If you that was it, right? And I still make that mistake today. I'm like, that dude's Russian, and people will correct me. Like, no, 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 no that person's Slavic or something. Nick Kinnish yeah. yeah. has some of the good. best lines in this movie, though, where it's just like, oh, hey, he's like, I got, oh, yeah, I got some of what is this, is it rent? Can I, can I pay the rent with it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, By the way, I imagine that this is what it's like living with Kevin as your landlord. Uh, I digress. Peter heads to his shithole apartment. Uh, probably shouldn't have killed Harry's dad, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Harry and Karma. You know, if Norman was still alive, Harry's still alive. He's still got that more apartment. Anyway, it's complicated. It. It's bigger than uh, you and me, Nick. It's true. It is bigger than you and me. Um, I don't know. Uh, Harry forces Doc Octopus to hang out with Peter the next day and keeps shouting Nobel Prize. And it's like, wow, man, James Franco. Terrible. Literally was like, just Harry I Osborne. Just, can I no. just phone this in? Can I phone it in? It, does Harry Osborne think that he's going to get $100 billion for the Nobel Prize? I don't understand. But I, also, I had to look it up. I, I literally looked it up afterwards because I was like, I know there is some money, and obviously he's going to patent this technology and whatever, but, like, why does he keep saying Nobel Prize money, Nobel Prize? I looked it up. You win $1 million for the Nobel Prize. Oh, shit. Which is not going to pay you back for your robot arms and your mini sun. No, that's a tiny sun. You're in the it's red, Harry. Sun. It's such a small sun. Small, uncontrollable. Uh, yeah, this, this, all of this sequence with Harry and uh, James Franco's character just really reminds me of like, okay, I have a book of like how to write business executive 101, and it's it's all about the dollars, Nobel Prize, and like it's it's like an SNL character at this point. What are, yeah. it's so bad. All of it is so terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's funny too because he's like. I'm like like that's the problem. It's like you take him out, and there's a lot of cool stuff happening. Oh, I feel like the, the meeting awesome of the case. meeting of Peter and and Otto. Like this movie to to me, like at, the background that I'm using is is Peter's apartment from Spider Man and his amazing friends. It's his room in Aunt May's house, and Peter's big bad in that cartoon was Doc Ock. Doc Ock was for me the big Spider Man villain. I understood why the first one had to be the Green Goblin, but Doc Ock was my Spider Man villain. And just the meeting of Peter and Otto and seeing the immediate love between them and, and Alfred Molina just nailing shit in this scene made so me good. so happy. He's so good. Uh, of course, uh, they meet and Doc Ock like lays it down. He's like, oh, Connors talks highly. He says, you're, you're brilliant. He goes, but intelligence isn't everything. He says, you're lazy also. You got to put the work in here, Peter. And it's like, oh, okay. This guy's like, yeah, it's good. Uh, and then he says, he's like, ah, cool, let me show you my cool fusion machine. Uh, and it's like, uh, which will effectively make a small sun on the shoreline of one of the most densely populated cities in the United States of America. Why not? Uh, Peter and Otto become best Name friends. Name one problem. What's that? 
Name one problem. Come on. It's a meeting zone. Right there in the in mid-town. Mid-town. Come on. Fine. No, that's fine. Fine. Uh, Peter and Otto become fast friends, and the conversation quickly turns to love, and Otto and his wife, Rosie, uh, have great chemistry, both. I, I love these two actors together. Well, part of me was like this. Come more scenes of these people. That's, Rosie, that's good writing right there, when you're like, yeah. I would like to see how this relationship plays out, you know. But here's the thing. The, the, the writing in this scene is kind of corny. You know, like when, when Otto and Peter are going back and forth, and like, what about Bernoulli's principal lift? What about Marconi? Well, it's like, I get it. Requires delivery. Yeah, you're <laughs> smart. But that, but that's what I'm getting at is like Alfred Molina and Donna, I forget her name, Donna. Um, right now. Uh, but sh- the two of them just play it. And Alfred Donna Molina, Martin. you can tell, was just – and he talked about how much he was in love with this character from the time he was a kid. And you can tell because he nails it. He's pitch perfect. He loves his wife. He is devoted to her. He's very smart. He knows it. He's full of himself. He won't be told otherwise. You can also nail Doc Ock in one scene with the same terrible dialogue that everybody else is fumbling with throughout this entire movie. And it's because Alfred Molina still cared. You can also tell that they have a very, very sexual active relationship. Like a great oh, marriage. Thank you. Yeah. Great marriage. And they like, I think they're like, poly. Yeah. Andy, it's one of those things where like they'll, they like tell you about it, but a little too early in the conversation. You're like, I mean, we just yeah. met. Let mm-hmm. me tell you something. Those arms are the industrial arms. You think there weren't prototypes? You think there aren't, you think there aren't machines that do other things in the oh, Octavius yeah. household? They're a lot smoother, though. They are a lot smoother. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Otto tells Peter that one way to get the girl to fall in love with him is to, is to read her poetry. And so, uh, so Peter's like, that's a great idea. He takes out a bunch of books for, of poetry from the library. And to which I, I would say, if I was Peter's friend, bro, she's already in love with you. You don't need to read her poetry. Peter does his laundry. I hate this this because, like, this scene to me is an example of, like, why I don't like this Peter Parker again, where it's like they introduce this poetry angle, which, first off, it's like, that is such a weird-ass thing in the year 2000, whatever the hell. Mm -hmm. Whatever this movie is set in this universe, it's weird. I don't care. It's it's fucking weird. The poetry thing, when's the last time uh, reading a girl to poetry was a good idea? Because, like... The, I, maybe the like 1910s or something yeah. exactly like this it just doesn't make sense like I guess Otto write Wonderwall for her like any other like something, something more normal like that but like <laughs> Otto saying it to him and then him being like oh poetry and then it cutting in the next shot being him at the laundry mat with the poetry book I literally groaned out loud where I was like oh no this is a plot point now now, yeah. now we have to see how this goes through because they and, set it up industrial era Europe about it, the thing that bugs me about it is like if he had time to go to the library and pick out all of the books that Otto recommended to him, you have time to just, like, swing by MJ's place yeah. and say, hey, and you do really the thing did. that she's telling you to do, and which is spend time with her. There's a moment that's coming up here, right? Uh, well, you can skip to it, right, Peter? This is the night he's supposed to go uh, to the play. He opens up his closet. He sees the spider suit in his normal suit, and he, he picks his normal suit. It's a nice touch. tries to buy the flowers. Can't buy the flowers. Whatever. Then, of course, as he's on the way to uh, the theater, he almost gets run over by a high-speed chase that's happening, and the scooter gets all screwed up. And then he goes, and he's like, shit, I got to do this. I got to save the day. And the whole scene takes approximately one minute and 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. But he is somehow an hour and a half late to this fucking theater. And it gets to the point where you're like, how? What did you do in between saving the day and swinging three blocks over to the theater. Did you hey, stop for a pierogi? What the fuck are you doing with your time, Peter? Maybe you also, suck. You suck, Peter. 
Also, I want to talk about this fucking Mickey Mouse cartoon idea. I, when I when I see this scene, I think about that 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 Mickey Mouse short where he leaves the tickets for the opera at his house, and Pluto has to like get the tickets to him, and Mickey's just like, "Ah, oh, how do I get to the theater?" That's not how theaters work. Hey, Bruce Campbell. Tell them that intermission's coming. This is the importance of being earnest on Broadway. It's, it's got a four-hour run time. Are you telling me you're three hours late to the play? Yeah. How <laughs> late are you to this play? Like, you were on time. It's weird. Now, Bruce Campbell that, hands it up. He's great. He hands it up. By, by Spider-Man 3, Bruce Campbell is Rowan Atkinson from Love Actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or Roy Atkinson from that role that he played. He, is like, he is like 100% an omniscient angel who is there for a reason, He's a Christmas a reason. <laughs> now, here, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. Having just gone to a musical last this week. This is my favorite one of these three, by the way. Like, I just want to remind everybody. That's that the thing. Having just gone to a musical this weekend, and I asked the guy, I was like, hey, because back in the day, I, you guys probably haven't been to a lot of musicals. Carbone, you probably have, but the rest mm-hmm. of these, these guys probably don't don't go to them. Yeah, because they're on they're on culture of wine. Your your friends and coworkers don't know anything about I'm culture. Is that what you're saying? Here. There you go. Perfect. So they use blessing. They used to actually do this. They used to say, "Hey, because it's a live performance and because people on stage have to focus, you cannot come in and out during the show. You have to just mm-hmm. you got to pee. You got to just sit there and hold it." But that that used to be the way it is. Now I think they've changed that probably because of COVID. Because people are like, "Oh, get the fuck out!" They have. There there are certain times during a during a play where the the ushers will hold you, but it's usually like a minute or two. But remember, we're in a timeless Sam Raimi New York, right? Of course. But even then, they had intermission. But that's all I'm saying. But I will say, as much as Bruce Campbell is annoying in this, a forty like twenty two year old Nick, I was like, "Let him in the fucking thing." We forty one year old. Hey, you know what? People paid really good money to see Kirsten Dunst in The Importance of Being Earnest on Broadway. Yeah. You better fucking, you got to sit out there, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah. You can't come in. That's how it's going to go. I will say the scene before this made me wonder if this New York is Gotham. Because earlier in the movie, you had the scene where Peter Parker saved the two kids that are about to get hit by a car. And then in this last scene, right, like what, uh, one of the reasons why he's lazy is because he almost got hit by a car also. And mm-hmm. I like, that was the point where I was like, what the fuck is up with this New York? Because yeah. he got to the play, and there was also the thing of the officer being like, hey, I'm going to tow your car. And at this point, I'm just like, I don't think I want to live in New York. No. <laughs> this movie I, yeah. making New York seem like a terrible place to live. This is just also, the civil, where are the civil engineers? You know what I mean? Because this is not yeah. Gotham. This is just a Gotham of no stoplights. Why is everybody about to get hit by a car? Um, but we did, we did kind of like, we did kind of skate over the fact that like that scene is good Spider-Man cool. action. Cool. And in just those two years... They learned a lot about how to make a Spider-Man action scene. Um, I love, by the way, but again, talking about tonally, like tonally off scenes, he pulls up, correct me if I'm wrong, in the getaway car. Yeah. Right? And the cop's and he's like, like, I don't hey, care buddy. if you tow it, it's the getaway car. The cop, no, he doesn't say that. The cop goes, <laughs> yeah. hey, buddy, if you park there, I'm going to have to tow you. And yeah, he goes, whatever. Whatever, man. Like, it's your fucking car. It's not even your car. Like, the scene should have been played out like, hey, I don't care. It's not my car. Right? It should have been played for a lot. I don't feel. Like, I, I feel like his line reading is somewhere in between mine and yours. Not. I feel like the truth is somewhere in between. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I also do like the bit where like he he dodges getting hit by the car, and the kid's like, "How'd you how'd you do that?" I love that. And he's just like, uh, I, "I forget exactly what he says." But he's like, "I eat, eat my vegetables. I eat your green vegetables." 
Yeah, yeah. yeah the kids are like, my mom tells me to do that, and I, I love that stuff. Kid has, I wrote this. I actually wrote this down. Bless. I said, that's what my mom always says. I just never believed her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but I. But again, the whole movie. with a lot of things in this movie, I, I think that like. It was missed just a little bit. Like, I like the I writing. You, Andy. I don't like the delivery. I feel like it... That's because Tobey Maguire can't deliver comedy. I, I think he's just got to, like... It didn't even feel like Spider-Man did anything. It feel like he's been standing still for the last hour, and then he was asked mm-hmm. that question in an interview. Like, I, I need I need some, some personality. I need, like, oh, you know, just some vegetables. Yeah. Like, it, I need, like, out of breath or something. It just felt really odd and, like, ah, it, you, you missed it. It was, like, perfect. You had such a good setup for this. And it's the still clips, a good line. Yeah. Just didn't love the it. The clips don't – the clips feel like they're coming from Peter and not Spider-Man. And it's Peter trying to shrug off. Like, it's sad sack Peter. Because this is one of the best Spider-Man lines in the movie. And once again, Spider-Man isn't there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Peter's like, eat your vegetables? Like, like the hilarious thing is just a thing that he's saying to brush it off. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. at this point, I want to hear Spider-Man say, hey, stay in school. Eat your vegetables. You can flip over a car, too. You know? <laughs> yeah. Which I will uh, say, that was actually Tobey Maguire that flipped over that car. Um, they used the Toby take instead of the stuntman take. Because Toby did a great job. Oh. Good for Toby. Uh, Peter Toby. waits outside of the theater and spots MJ leaving the actor's exit. Then he sees her make out with someone that's tall, dark, and handsome. And we get that <laughs> from the from the uh, the credits. It's John Jameson. And Would you guy, say that he he when you see him when he walks up, he's got the energy of kind of like a like a wolf, like a man wolf, like a, like he makes out like a man wolf. I was going to say that this guy's out of this world. Yeah, yeah. A villain called Man Wolf. Is that what we're getting at? Is I that he's Venom? He becomes Carnage yeah. in the comics. Really? He becomes Venom, I think, in one of the animateds. And in, uh, in the comics, he starts off as Man-Wolf. He goes to the moon, and he gets a weird cursed moon gem in his chest, wow. and he becomes a werewolf. I thought in the, in the animated show, he came down with the symbiote, right? Yeah, yeah Venom comes with him, yeah. And in the Venom uh, movie, they mention that this is the astronaut that crashed or whatever, and they, they right. mention the name. Right. Uh, cop cars pass. So Great Peter setup decides. for three that they throw away. <laughs> uh, so uh, Peter decides to throw everything he's got into being Spider-Man. Finally, I can murder people with impunity, is what he says to himself. Only nope. he's having a little trouble uh, performing here, Carpenter. Mm-hmm. He says can't, uh, can't really shoot the web anymore. Uh, so he has to take the elevator down, and we get a fun little cameo from an early 2000s icon, Hal oh, Sparks, baby, and I love it. I love it, yeah. him. But. Go for it, Carboni. We have two hosts of the soup in this movie. We do. We have House Bars oh, and Joel my McHale God. coming up. And Joel McHale definitely. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get McHale, to that. I had to look up Joel McHale after watching, after re- being reminded that he's in this movie because he, he looks older in this movie. And I was like, how old he's is Joel McHale? He's more bald in this movie than he This is, is before he got the yeah. first round of hair plugs. Yeah, yeah. And plugs. that's where I started doing the math in my head. And I was like, is Joel McHale 48 years old? And I, I couldn't believe it. I looked it up, and I was like, oh, he's 49 years old. <laughs> I, I was shocked when I learned that. How Sparks and Tobey Maguire. Yeah, go on, Tim. Th- this elevator scene to me is, is so close to being good. And like, I'll even at the end of the day say it's fine. It's good. But yeah. I imagine how much better it would be if it was Tom Holland Tom in that Holland. suit, right? Yeah. It's just what you were just saying, Carboni, about the confidence of Spider-Man versus Peter Parker. And, like, it, the, the lines are fine. I think they could be better, but they're fine. It's just the delivery. Like, there's no confidence. That it kind of just feels like, I don't know, you're Spider-Man in an elevator with this guy. Like, have yeah. some awareness you of know what that's that funny. feels. You know what's happening here. And also just where you're at mentally. Like, oh, Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Uh, so I will say, did we, did, uh, which Toby version McGuire. did we all watch? Because I watched, I watched 2.1. 
which I is think like I just watched OG. I never which is like the Blu-ray. Uh, in 2.1, it's the extended elevator scene with House Sparks. And I, must have seen that then. I must have seen that version. That's yeah, the I one you saw. Uh, because he and House Sparks, they were just told to improv that whole scene. So House Sparks literally did all that on the fly. And can I just tell you, Toby Maguire gave him nothing as an nothing. improv partner. Fuck. How Sparks is going? And he's like, what if we do this? What if we do this? And Toby McGuire's like, like ah. <laughs> Yeah, Toby yeah. was just like, been, I got to get back to It could have been that. a better scene. But it it is still one of the funnier bits in this movie. And the, the whole thing of, like, uh, he tries to give him the card, and he's like, I don't have any pockets. Like, that's a good line. Yep. Uh, Peter calls MJ the next day and tries to leave a message for her on her answer machine. And I would just be at this line. I would just be like, hey, why don't you tell her you actually got in an accident? Because that's actually what happened. You can show her your scooter that got ran over. It's not you that hard. You dragged it home. Literally, be honest with her and be like, hey, I wanted to come there, but I got hit by a fucking car. Where's the lie? Then you move on. Uh, then he leaves her a creepy message instead of telling her the truth. I'm Spider-Man. Weird, huh? If my enemies found out about you, if you got hurt, I could never forgive myself. And she's like, I'm... Still in therapy from falling off a fucking bridge. The damage is done, homie. Let's move on. Peter hold has on, Nick, Hold on, Nick. You didn't give that enough love. I expected you to, to give it a little more oh, love. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The... Let me say this. I'm sorry, MJ. <sighs> and then it clicks off. It says, you owe 50 cents. And he's like, I'm so broke, I can't finish this message. But he does. I mean, you know what? I'm going to finish this message anyway. I'm Spider-Man. Weird, huh? If my enemies found out about you, you got hurt, I could never forgive myself. Oh, what a winky dink uh, No, but it's not a coincidence. He knows the he knows the call was cut off, and he knows he's free to say whatever he wants now, and he says it. Bless, bless you like this, don't you? I like this. I want to be clear. No, I want to be clear. I'm not saying it's a coincidence. I'm saying yeah. him being like, Terrible. weird, weird, huh? Oh, no, the actual line of, I'm yeah. Spider-Man, weird, huh? Yeah. I like this call. This, to me, is a very classic Peter Parker thing of, like, I wish these are the things I wish I could say. And I think it's that's just... Nobody know. says things like this. And she, I mean, what, what, when did this movie come out? 2006, 2004? 1973. <laughs> I was 24 when this movie came out. I never said, in my fucking life, I grew up in the 80s. Weird, At no huh? point did I ever say, ah, shucks, oh boy, or huh, at the end of a sentence. It just didn't happen. People don't Timeless talk like New York. Timeless. This is a post-9-11 Timeless. New York. Okay? This is Timeless. A, people don't talk like that. This is They're a harder. Macy Gray world, all right? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You know fucking Macy, Macy Gray to play the non-Macy's parade? <laughs> Macy, Macy's world, baby. Weird, Peter Parker's huh? just living in it. Anyway, Peter heads over and to you like his motivations, too. Like, I, I know it's very basic and very, like, oh, of course, these are his motivations for not telling her, but I feel like up to this point, they do a bad job of actually being like, this is why, like, he do- he can't be with her, and this is why, like, this is why they're having this back-and-forth struggle. And even though I think mm-hmm. he, as we even go in the movie, that struggle becomes a bit, like, all right, we've gone through it, especially when we get into the point where it kind of flips around where Peter's like, okay, now I want to be with you. And she's like, no, right? Like, I, I, they, they they belabor it, but I do like yeah. getting that blatant, hey, here's what's up, and this is they, why they may be, they, Yeah, they may be 180, those those motivations, a couple times too many oh, for me yeah, in this movie. But yeah. let's, add a, <laughs> let's add a third person in the movie that plays the role of the audience. And is hearing each side. They're like the mediator, right? They're like, mm-hmm. wait, so Peter told you what? And then the next day they're with MJ. And, and, and what happened? 
And I just want them to show the frustration that we have. Of like, fucking just stop talking to the guy. I'm like, I'm annoyed with you all telling me all these things. It's a toxic relationship. <laughs> They're not communicating properly. Exactly. Love and sex. Uh, so I'm not I will say this. The only reason why I like the will they, won't they, this the sort of the moments in classic Spider-Man where he's like, I'm, I'm coming to grips with, you know, the, the struggle between Peter Parker and Spider-Man. I can't, I'm having a hard time finding that balance. I love this for one line and one line only. That is unfortunately not in this movie, but in 2008, we'll see it when fucking Robert Downey Jr. stares at the camera and goes, I am Iron Man, and just totally takes all that bullshit away from the Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, Kevin Feige, and thank you for that, uh, Robert Downey Jr., but we're not there yet, Tim. Otto uses his robot arms because he's like, hey, if you're going to make a fusion bomb, you got a robot arm. Hey, hey, Harry, Harry. Here's your Nobel Prize, dude. Why are we why are we going past the robot arms? Hey, everybody in the room, we're good with the robot arms? No. Not only that, but one of one of the reporters that reporter. One of the reporters asked a question, but she asked the question from a world where we already know that there are robot arms. (laughs) She asked a question from a world, she says, if they're AI, couldn't they take control of you? That's not something you know. This is the Set of robot arms that. you've ever seen. That's Everybody, right. this is Anthony. like if there was, if I walked outside and I saw a bear beating a man to death and an ice cream truck and I went, oh shit, ice cream truck. <laughs> Anthony, I want to play this scene out with you right now. I want to see, I want to play this scene out with you. I would like, I would like you to be Dr. Oct- 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 Octavius and I will be the reporter. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, but Ladies like and gentlemen, uh, welcome here to my very cool place that I bought with my wife. We have an open relationship. <laughs> oh, that's, okay. uh, that's Ask me about that later. Uh, I am now going to put these real – these were real. They used real needles on, on him in this first shot. I'm going to put these real needles into my back, and I will use these super intelligent robot arms mm-hmm. to do the experiment that you're here to see. Uh, yes. Lady reporter. You. Dr. Octavius, you, you kind of yeah. glossed past it. Are you controlling these arms with your mind? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course I am. You'd have to control them with your mind. Uh, they have four cameras, and I control them all with my mind, and I see everything all the time, and uh, they're just my robot arms. Uh, did, you, did you need a water or anything, or can we move on? <laughs> no, that was, my, that was my only question. Yeah, One of the arms gives you a water. It's like, okay, cool, yeah. great. <laughs> so, so you think they would be like, this has the amazing ramifications. Uh, Otto just goes like, okay, the all understand what I we mean when it, I right. say robot arms that are controlled uh, by uh, my mind, right? I'm sorry, from, from New York, a reporter from New York Times, you've seen mind-controlled robot arms before. <laughs> this is a common thing, right? This idiot daily people doesn't fucking get what's going on. We are burying the lead here at Octavius Operations or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, here's what I'll say. I love this. I love this story. I love how they, they nailed the character of Otto Octavius, but I will say Spider-Man PS4 tells this story. 1,000 times better. And I'm not saying that to denigrate Spider-Man 2. I'm just saying they took, they looked at this movie and they were like, what was missing? How do we fix it? How do we tighten this relationship? How do we do more with it? You know? This is good for the time, and I still love this movie. 
but damn, everybody, mind control robot arms should be a bigger deal to you. <laughs> like, that's a really big technology. Anyway, we've belabored that point enough. Let's move on yeah. to, the, to the part where he creates a small mini sun in the middle of midtime Manhattan using tritium and a little bit of that ingenuity with those extra arms, Tim. And shout out to a little cameo we get here from Daniel Day Kim, who is like, yeah, I'm in this movie too. Doctor, we have this exactly hottest lab assistant. Oh, man, I know. I'm like this. I'm like again. You're talking about talking about open relationship. You're like, is this oh, appropriate yeah. time? There's a general? reason why he why he yeah, is like why he and Rosie are helping with the rela- like. Oh yeah, hey, Rosie and him are like. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's, we got it. Don't worry about it. Otto, we want you to go read some poetry of everybody because uh, we're gonna make some uh, poetry of our own here. Uh, Anyway, shit goes down. It doesn't go well. Otto succeeds in making a small sun, uh, and he uses his robot arms, apparently, to push the solar flares back into place. Yeah, I have a question about what if this robot sun or this tiny sun Mm -hmm. that's going to be infinite energy, Mm -hmm. does it need a man with robot arms to push the solar flares in all the time? Great question. Thank you for that, Daily Bugle reporter. Um, Yes, in fact, we're going to have to have an army of people pushing this thing back in. We could not automate this at all. There's no way we can actually take these hyper smart robot arms and put them in, I don't know, other metal and just have them their AI. On their own. So they yeah. already have their own intelligence. Yeah, we just uh, we didn't really look into Luckily, that. Luckily, we have a set question. of twenty. We have twenty of them just kind of lying yeah. around. So every, every reporter, so look under your seat. Look under your seat, yeah. reporters. <laughs> you get some arms, and you get some arms, and yeah, okay, that's. Um, but I do like this scene for uh, because number one, look, he's a man with robot arms. Like it's cool. We can blow past this, but uh, and and I like this scene because we are now hammering home once again the mm-hmm. ego of Doc Ock. The ego oh, yeah. of Otto Octavius. I can like, control this mic. I have it. Yes. I have this. Not only did I not think about the fact that there's so much magnetic metal in my fucking cool sex loft. Yeah, it's a sex loft. I should have really thought about that. But also, I will control this. I but, do not misstep. I am Otto Octavius. And I do love this as, as like a scene and a set piece for an origin for Doc Ock. Pitch perfect. Uh, you know what, what I fucking time? hate, though? Or what I, right. Oh, my God. No, I think we agreed on Pitch Perfect, Andy. I see, I see Harry Osborn clapping, and then Bo Price, and then a little tap on the shoulder. This is a breakthrough beyond your father's dreams. Thank you. <laughs> what? What is the writing in these movies, man? I don't so know. He doesn't just say it. He doesn't just say it. He puts his hand on that guy's sho- uh, hand on his shoulder. It's like so a, like terrible. a shared moment between the two of them. Uh, we got, this movie's got some hairy problems. We'll put this movie up there with the Dark Knight. No, it's not the it's not the Dark Knight. Uh, let's move along. We have a containment breach, of course. That mm-hmm. thing flares everywhere, magnetizes, so everything starts going bonkers. Of course, Peter bangs out, comes back as Spider Man, saves Harry, who apparently is like, this doesn't make us equal a square anymore. It's like, and then glass breaks and kills Rosie. We get the first of the Vicky Vale screams here. It's definitely mm-hmm. not uh, Donna Murphy, I think is the actress's name, screaming. Yeah. It's just the same scream over and over again to the point where I was like, this has to be a joke, right? And our anyway. first Sam Raimi. Uh, reflected surface death in the movie and we are like so far in yeah. he didn't like he used sam raimi used stylistic restraint in this movie uh, don't worry all that restraint's gonna go out the window in about two <laughs> scenes from now uh, <laughs> I, I just get the little chip that uh the little chip bursts in the back of otto's brain popping off and then uh he's all mad and then harry is mm-hmm. mad that spider-man touched him everything went crazy with spider-man took it off and then harry's like spider-man saved your life surely you're okay and i was like he's fucking dead for even touching me how dare you even touch me and then stupid, we get a kid by touching me stupid exactly. it's so fucking stupid it's, and i i know we glossed over off the 
the rack and we, he touched it. We glossed over him getting saved, but I just fucking hate him being in the room being like, Otto, stop! It's my money! And then Spider-Man swings in and saves him from getting hit. They land. This doesn't change anything. Yeah. What are we doing, man? Awful. I gotta like this. You know what? It, I, and this is why I can never be Spider-Man, Tim. Because I'd be like this. Oh, it doesn't? And I would have swung his fucking ass right back into you think I fucking need another billionaire villain guy? Fucking get out there. You can yeah. buy a card. I don't give a shit. Uh, the the community, like, you want to talk about, like, so much of this movie would have been saved by Peter just saying anything except a line that was clearly written for a bumbling character. Like, if Peter, there are a couple times where Peter can say something very natural that would... And one of them was with Harry later on in this movie. But oh, we'll on. get to there. Oh, we'll get yeah. to that. Cause I know exactly what you're talking about. Peter, you killed my dad. We don't have time for that right now. Yeah. <laughs> this is bigger than what's. That. This is bigger yeah. than you and me. Oh, motherfucker! Hold on a second. It's so you're admitting you killed my yeah. dad? It's neither, it's neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. <laughs> you know what reminds me of Andy? Did you ever see the Wet Hot American Summer? Uh, the series where John Hamm kills a bunch of people and he's like, wait a minute, like, he's like, and then he turns out to be a good guy at the end and then one of the characters is like, but, wait, but you still killed a bunch of my friends and he's like, I don't think anything I'm going to say here is going to make you happy. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go. <laughs> kind of thing. Anyway, uh, Harry's mad. We get a, we get a piece of expo, uh, expository dialogue here where someone's like, oh, thank God we only had a drop of that tree. I'm going to be at a, a soccer ball size. We're taking a whole fucking city. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Then I kind of, love that. I love Mr. Mr. and Dr. Exposition walking out of there. I love yep. it. And, uh, then Peter, over, and then Peter walks out completely separated from uh, Harry. After Harry says the line about he he humiliated me, and then Harry just wa- like, why why are you not together? And kind of like I don't know. It's just another one of those unrealistic things that makes zero sense to me. It's true. Uh, we cut over to the doctor's office where now these things have been fused to uh, the arms have been fused to uh, Doc Ock's spine. And I'll say what say what you will about these movies. I fucking love this scene. This, this scene is the fucking most rip. evil dead shit I've ever seen in my life. And you have to think he just put that in there as some sort of like weird fuck you to the to the powers that be at Sony. Because this scene For is sure. horrifying. And Do awesome. you know what my favorite thing in this in this scene is? Stainless steel surgical chainsaw. chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which by the way, if you don't know, it's obviously it. obviously an homage to Ash in, in uh yeah. Darkness with This is such on. a good scene. Cutting between the different uh the different tentacles and what they're seeing and that. Otto like clearly not being part of this and not knowing what's going on and like having to watch it and ugh. So I, I, I've been doing the rewatches with Gia, her sister, and her sister's boyfriend. And what's funny about her sister and sister's boyfriend is they're normal people, so they don't see <laughs> these clips on Twitter every year once they recirculate where we have to see. Remember that crazy moment in Spider-Man 2? So, like, this is the first time 